You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go, hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Okay, it's going to get real interesting here because we have managers that are going to be speaking to the media coming up here in moments. Tori Lovello, manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who just led his team to the World Series based off love, trust, commitment, and effort, as we told you over and over again. Uh, normally, for Tori, no, there would probably be like four people Wow. Now there is a whole like if we could turn the camera right now. Who there's someone else speaking at the same time? Is it um, David Bell, manager of the Reds, is speaking on the other side? How many people are over there for David Bell? By the way, speaking of managers, Bob Melvin, former A's manager, is texting me. I remember him as a Padre. <laughs> he was a D back, Mariner. So he's got to do 1231-115. What would we tell him, 130-145? Um, how about, uh, let's tell him, I don't think I have one for 2 o'clock. We can start the show with Bob tomorrow. I don't think I have a 2 o'clock tomorrow. You have the, you have the guest thing open? We're booking guests as we speak. I'm telling you, this is how this thing works. You just you run into all these different people. There is Tori Lavello, the manager of the Diva. I want to yell out at him because they're being told that we can't have him. But it's uh, normally we we've had him for years here on the uh, and their PR guys are totally hoarding him right now because Tori's a friend of the program. I got it. Uh, we don't. Uh, let's see tomorrow. Uh, no, no one at 2 o'clock. All right, we're efforting Bob Melvin tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Oh, while we were on break, I just locked up. Uh, we're going to have Sam Fold after our general manager on Sam Wednesday. Fold. You know who Philly's I, GM. You know who I also uh, ran into? The smartest man in baseball. You saw Craig, Breslow? Craig Breslow. I ran into old Craig. Uh, I'm going to do a really dirty trick live for you guys on the air. I'm going to play David Copperfield. See what's in this hand. Nope, it's in this hand. Um, when Tori is done, I'm going to stand up and kind of mosey over and see if I can get him to come over. Would that be a dirty trick on their PR? Yeah, a little bit, probably. We have a good relationship with them. Yeah, but I want them now. <laughs> oh, well, I'll let you handle that. Let we find out about <clears throat> what happened. With the- see, you got to remember that, that 
I, Cody, so this is how Cody and I work, okay? Just to let everybody know. Cody is the good cop. I'm the bad cop. Fact. Right? So I go in, like Chad Pender, by the way, former Oakland Athletic, is going to join us. I ran into Chad Pender during lunch, talked to Chi, and Chad Pender, I said, Chad, you know what? You never had a proper goodbye to A's fans. That means true. So, Chad Pender, we are texting. That works, I believe. Uh, it looks like Robert Melvin can do 2 o'clock, but he goes, do you know Matt Chisholm? Who's Matt Chisholm? Is he the, the Giants, Giants guy? Yeah. I'll have Cody contact him. Sorry to be doing this live, but this is how it works. I mean, this is live. This is live. Multimedia show. We can yeah, do we, what we want. We're not, we're not on terrestrial radio. What did Jim Harbaugh say with the Niners? We're same as the 49ers. We can do what we want. We can do whatever we want. We can do whatever now, we now, want. Well, now he took that mantra to Michigan, and they really do whatever they want. Uh, that'd be the Michigan Wolverines, uh, the number one seed Rose in the Bowl. Final Four. Rose Bowl, right? And they got to choose which bowl they go to, right? Not, that's kind of a unique thing this year. I just know they are playing Alabama. Yeah, in the Rose Bowl. Saban. Saban and Harbaugh. Is, is, the last rules will ever. Harbaugh. Is Harbaugh going to big league Saban the way he be big leagues all the other coaches? Oh, where he doesn't shake hands or. I mean, Harbaugh's got the. I mean, Nick Saban ever make the Super Bowl as a head coach in the National Football League? Um, unfortunately, the Dolphins didn't make it. Uh, did Nick Saban ever make an AFC title game? Harbaugh coached in three NFC title games and a Super Bowl. Nick Saban never done. So all of his national championships are phenomenal. But at the highest level, they both coached there. Did he ever get there? I don't think so, no. No. Uh, did Nick Saban play in the National Football League? Did he quarterback in the National Football League? I don't think he did. Uh, Jim Harbaugh did. <laughs> so Jimmy Harbaugh taking – how about Harbaugh taking down Saban on the way to his first national championship? By the way, did, did, did Nick Saban ever resurrect a program like USD – uh, well, he did resurrect L- LSU, kind of. He resurrected LSU. What did, he, did he, he coach at Toledo or something like that? He, he was at Michigan State too, right? But, we know before that he was like at Toledo. Well, Tol- hey, by the way, Toledo's a powerhouse in the MAC. Not they back were, when they, Nick Saban. It's something. It's a MAC school. It was like Bowling Green or Toledo. Nick Saban before he went to Michigan State. Well, no love for Akron. This just shows you my great football knowledge right here. You're going to have to give me praise here. He was at. Uh, he was the head coach of Toledo for one year, and then Michigan State. Uh, no, he was the Browns DC. Oh, that's right, Browns DC, then to Michigan State, then LSU, then the Dolphins, and then Alabama. Who was the head coach of the Browns when he was the defensive coordinator there? His the guy, very good friend, the guy everyone says is done, Bill Belichick, who got shut out yesterday. What was the score? Six nothing. Six nothing. Wow. Patriots are the first team since like 1935 that go three straight games along ten or un- ten or less points and losing. <laughs> uh, Melvin's not even here yet. We'll get by. Hey, we ran into Mark Kotze, A's manager today. Kotze is actually speaking in like 40 minutes right there. Yeah. Uh, David Forrest. We still got to yeah. see David. He's going to be joining us. Um, Pike Goldschmidt. We got to contact Pipe. We got permission to talk to our, our wonder boy of analytics and data, Pike Goldschmidt. We saw him last night. Want to get him. Uh, yeah, he was sober. So he said yes, sober. So that is. <laughs> That is a big key when you're here at the winter meetings. Um, you know, we've had a lot of people 
talk to us about a lot of different things with the A's. And it's very obvious that is going to be a hot topic of conversation. Um, you know, the one thing that I, I think I feel bad for, I feel bad for the A's fans who I think have gotten a lot of, let's just call it misinformation. I think people, and and the reason I think I can talk about this is because for some of you, you may know, some of you may not know. This is my second go around with working for a franchise that's looking to leave Oakland. I worked for the Oakland Raiders, and I worked for the Oakland Raiders all the way till they left. I was one of the very few that was on the last plane flight the Oakland Raiders ever took. I was on that flight. And I remember then, the way the Bay Area media covered it was very similar. There was always, they always put these hurdles in front. Well, this, what about this, and what about that, and what about this? There's always going to be the hiccups. And, you know, because there's some people who ask, you know, why aren't you guys all over this? Why aren't you, and it's like, because what you want to hear we're not going to sit here and just give you this the misinformation game. And we're not going to sit here and we're going to speculate and try and figure out every single way that the A's moving to Vegas is not going to happen. That's what you guys want. That's where you're going. That's where our fan base wants to be. Our fan base wants to follow people. They want to watch. They want to do all this stuff of everybody who's trying to tell you it's not going to happen. But at every single turn, every single time these people go out and give you this misinformation, they end up being wrong. And we're not going to sit here and say, well, I told you so. Well, I told you so. I mean, for instance, how many people can I go and I read an article? Can I see something on X, Twitter, or watch something on YouTube that tried to float out there that the owners may not all vote for this? Right. This is a perfect example. Well, the Dodgers, you know, Dodgers and Padres, they don't want to give the Giants their own territory, all the Bay Area, their territory. That'd be crazy. Dodgers consider Vegas their territory. Arizona consider like all this. They came up with everything of why the owners are not that you won't get the 75 percent. They tried to float that at you like this was real. They really, it's like you can go on and watch YouTube videos where they tried to sell you, this is flat-out misinformation. They're just out there. I mean, I don't know, and some of these guys are our friends, and I understand what they're doing, but see, I lived this when people tried to do this with the Raiders. If you went on the timeline of how things went with the Raiders and how things went with the Ace, do you remember they used to say, the NFL owners don't want their teams in Vegas? The NFL owners don't want their teams in Vegas. The NFL owners are not going to vote for the Raiders to move to Vegas. How did that vote go? They've been in Vegas for how many years now? Now, how did that vote go? Oh, yeah. Differently than everyone said it was going to go? 32 nothing. Yeah. So here you have the same media area. But, see, I, I think a lot of people who have hopped on this A's thing and covering this A's thing are either not NFL people or they're Niner fans. So they didn't follow the Raider thing. They didn't follow it. 
so they don't understand they're falling in the same, they're doing the exact same, they're acting the exact same way. They're throwing the exact same pitfalls, you know, oh, they're not going to vote, you know, they're not going to vote for public money. They're not going to, you know, they're, they've thrown all this stuff at you guys. And that's why I feel bad because I know you're going to, I know you're going to absorb it. I know you're going to consume it because it's what you want to hear. You're going to like and you're going to subscribe and you're going to follow. And the reason why we don't talk about it is because it's like, they're wrong, and we know they're wrong. I could have told you they're all going to vote for it, but you didn't want to hear that, and I know that. That's why we stick to baseball, and people here are asking us questions, and it's like you knew that they were going to you knew they were going to vote for it. All thirty teams, it was thirty nothing vote, just like that. No, you know what? I think the Dolphins owner didn't vote for it. Oh, I think it was thirty one to one. It was the Dolphins owner, and I don't you know was it the Dolphins? Is the current Dolphins owner, is he still the same guy? Stephen Ross. Stephen yeah. Ross, yeah. yeah. So it was one. It's like everywhere you look, everything they say ends up not being true. So it's either they're giving you – I don't know what they're giving you. You'd have to talk to them. I just know that so much of the information that they can t- – you know, remember all the sources everybody had? Where are all the sources? They dried up. They dried up. <laughs> Unfortunately for them, the source is dried up. This is just reality. They're giving you what you want to hear. There's blood in the water. They're giving you what you want to hear. And it's, majority of the time, not factual. And a lot of it is speculation or flat-out wishing on a star and wishing for hope. Sorry. And that's why we don't want to cover it. And that's why we don't sit here and talk about it. Because it's not what you want to hear. You don't want to, I mean, and, and I just, I don't know what else to tell you. Do you want to sit here and have me lie to you? I don't know if all the owners are going to vote for it. When I know all the owners are going to vote for it, is that what you want? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you misinformation. I'm not going to lie. I've never done that to you. I'm never going to. And people can be mad at us, and you can be mad at us all you want. We're not going to change. We're going to cover the team, and we're going to cover baseball because that's what we're paid to do. And you just have to understand that where this thing is heading, it's Las Vegas. And you can put any pitfall you want. You can put any hiccup you want. You can throw whatever you want out there. Right now, this is where it is going. And every pitfall you've thrown out there hasn't hasn't landed. That plane hasn't landed. Unless something's different, it is what it is. And I don't want to go too in-depth into this. I want to get back to talking baseball, and, you know, we'll talk to – we're going to have, you know, quite a few A's people coming up here. It's like all the A's people have been obviously very busy today, a lot of meetings. But um, we're going to have all the A's people on here and address, you know, the needs. But just from the stadium thing, because I know there's going to be people who are going to make the comments, it's like, what do you want us to say? Because you don't want to hear the truth. The truth makes you angry. The misinformation makes you angry. You're angry. We get it. I understand it. Like I said, I've lived this already with the Raiders. I'm living it again. I understand how the fan base feels. I just, I feel bad that so much of what you're getting is just, it's not accurate. And it hasn't been accurate. And once again, when I bring up the sources, where are all these great sources? They just vanished. Well, that tells you everything you need to know, right? The sources were clearly coming out of City Hall. And they were they were basically giving you City Hall's information. 
And if you're believing those, I mean, if you want to believe everything that they're selling, go right ahead. There's a, there's a lot of people that don't. But a lot of people don't speak vocally about it because it's an unpopular thing. And everybody turns on you when you do that. I don't know what else to say. I think you covered it pretty well. I don't think there's really much. Yeah, left I mean, to it's. Say. I mean, if someone really had questions and really, I mean, I, I could tell you this: being here in Nashville really opened up my eyes. Yeah, same. I mean, it was. It's been like wow to see a to see a city to see a city that's growing fast. And as Matt Vaskersian said, I never think too fast. But some people will try, oh, maybe it's too fast. Um, in the great state of California, where we're from, we're seeing people flee too fast. Here in Nashville, Tennessee, there are people seeing coming too fast from all over. They got people coming from the northeast, the upper Midwest. They got people coming from the west. This is a city that is growing like more cranes per capita. You know, and obviously you're going to get traffic issues because your infrastructure is not built for it yet. But you've got a lot of people moving here. Why? Because of a lot of different reasons. But I tell you what. I can tell you, we didn't walk the streets and we were worried about crime. Yeah, that's true. All right? We were, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know what state taxes are here. Well, I don't. I'm sure it's not as high as California. I think, uh, I think the tax was 925 here? Yeah, well, I remember when I bought That's not low, by the uh, way. No. That's pretty high. And then, uh, like, bars on Broadway, you have to pay a liquor tax, too. I found that out the hard way on Friday. I ordered two drinks for my yeah, wife. Yeah, because you because once once we got here, you haven't paid for a drink. <laughs> I, I remember I remember when my wife and I got a drink, and it was it was, thir- it was 32 bucks and then it was $8 in tax. Really? Yeah. And I looked, and I'm like, what the hell is this liquor tax? The old liquor tax. Well, they got me, so... Really? Was it on the? It's, it's kind of like the hotel tax. It's like a I don't know. They they told me like it's like a Broadway thing, like off Broadway or, um, it's a tax. Like if you go to a bar on on Broadway, you have to pay some like liquor tax. But if you go to like places off of Broadway, it's not as expensive. We've been living off a famous quote for is that is this was that last year spring or was it two springs ago? It was last spring. Was it last spring? Yeah. The great Scottsdale bro. <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it, it was It was literally one of the best uh, we have had in a long, long time. Ryan Divis joins us here, uh, covers the Seattle Mariners. Where Are we back on this camera here? We're back here. All right. Um, first of all, how have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've been good. Um, I spent my off-seasons in Montana. Uh, freezing my ass off. Um, so wait a minute. You go from in the in the basically rain or drizzle of the summer of Seattle to Montana yeah. in the winter. Yeah, I, I go back to my hometown, Haver, Montana. It's up by the Canadian border, twenty miles from the Canadian border, central Montana. The wind blows. Um, we've had snow already. Uh, you know, it's actually been really nice there. It's been in the forties. Uh, wind, ch- wind chill. So last year, at one point last year, there was a stretch where it never got above 30 below for like six straight days. So yeah, that's where I go. My girlfriend lives there. Uh, so I spend, you know, I, it's my penance for being gone all off all season. You know, I'm gone so much. So I spend October, November, December, January, 
all in Montana, my hometown. We got to get you like a, a trip to Hawaii at least, <laughs> or somewhere in the sun on the beach. We went we went to Cabo last year, so I'm we're trying to figure out a trip to go this year, whether we want to go to Hawaii or Cabo again or whatever. But yeah, about about um, you know end of January, I try and get in a trip somewhere to stay warm. You know, it was like when I before when I lived in in Washington. Right about, you know, like I didn't hate the coming from Montana where it was cold and snowy and everything. Yeah. I, I didn't hate the rain and gray, but right about, you know, the time I'd have to go to spring training, I was tired of it. So it works out okay. But right about the time where I just can't take the weather anymore, then spring training rolls around, I go to Arizona and get warm. All right. So there's been a lot of movement. I mean, Suarez leaving. I mean, that's obviously a really big bat. Tori Lovello is going to have him now. Tori, the manager of the D-backs, is speaking to the media off to our left here. Obviously a big trade to kick off the meetings. I thought your uh, tweet was funny. It's like, here's the trade. I'm going off Twitter. Good night. Yeah. Um, just uh, so, what's going on in Mariner land? Because obviously it seems like they're one of these organizations, like a handful, that all in on Otani – trying to do everything he can to get as much clear off the books for Otani, go after Otani, and if you don't get Otani, then it's new business. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if they're in on Otani anymore. I think they they had a, a, a small needle to thread to get Otani, which was basically you got to want to come to Seattle more than you want to get paid by these other teams that are probably better. You know, they don't have – they weren't going to be able to go – 600 million or 500 million they just weren't willing to do that that's not what they do what they were going to try and do is offer a shorter term maybe five or six year deal higher aav you know and play to just this is the freedom of it all like we'll, we'll give you the opt-out after three years after four years after yeah. five and then you can go wherever we're not going to lock you in but uh I, from what i've been told like it, the bidding and everything and the freedom that otani wants in these contracts are going to be there on these big deals so i don't know that they're really a player i don't from what everything it looks like, they're kind of trying to trim some payroll off. I mean, that was what the trade with for Jared Kelnick was about. Kind of about what the trade with Eugenio Suarez is about too. Remove some money to kind of give them some flexibility to sign some guys or trade for some guys that are gonna make money. Um, they're dealing with some uh, regional sports network. Um, I wouldn't say confusion, but just like. They just don't know what's going to happen with their regional sports network right now, and it's different than what other teams are dealing with, like with Valley Sports. And so I think that's one reason why they're not like going to be huge players. I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong, and that's happened. But from everything I've heard, is like they're not they're not going to go after. I mean, they they did this stuff with Otani, and they found out they weren't really in the market. I don't think they're going to go after Juan Soto or anybody like that. So they're gonna they're gonna play on the periphery like they've always done. Wow, so that kind of changes because we were led to believe Mariners were a player, right? Yeah. You think about last year, building on that, you have all this pitching, look at Juan Soto in that lineup. I mean, everybody, at, you know, if you're in on Otani, it's going to be tough, but you hope to land them. If not, there's other business to do, but you see them. I didn't realize they were having an RSN problem. Who is their RSN? So they own their own RSN. They own Root Sports Northwest. And they own it. AT&T uh, owns a portion of it, and they do some of the, the, the um, handling of the negotiations. But the Mariners own their own RSN. They bought it a few years ago. If you remember um, when the Sacramento Kings were going to be sold to a guy, Chris Hansen, in Seattle, and he yeah. was going to move him back to the Sonics, the Mariners bought Root Sports thinking, look, we're not going to let this guy buy it. The, 
the network and we're going to pay him. If he's going to go, if we're going to get the Sonics back. We're going to try and make money off of him. Yeah. And so they bought it kind of, you know, and then it never happened. But they they own the controlling interest. So the problem is, and it's been good for them. The, the ratings have been up, you know, with their success. What happened this year is Comcast Xfinity, which is the largest cable provider in the Northwest, in the Pacific Northwest, specifically Seattle, you know, the Washington, Western Washington, they decided that they were going to move Root Sports off their uh, basic cable package and onto an upper tier of like their sports package, the highest tier. So for fans that wanted to get Root Sports, which includes the Mariners games, the Seattle Kraken and the Portland Trailblazers, they were going to have to pay an extra $20 a month. And we know how. That's not. No. Yeah. And so, no. like, I'm, they're fa- you know, and so fans, you know, especially with how the season ended and everything else, 20 extra dollars a month over, even if they do it for six months, plus cable continues to go up, the costs continue to go up. So many people are cord cutting that they're looking at massive, they're, they're worried about massive subscriber drop off. Totally. So they don't know kind of where they're at financially, which is odd. I mean, this is a team that had 2.9 million fans last year, the yeah. highest they've had since 2005. There's so, a buzz for Merritt. Yeah. Especially after the year before making the playoffs, we it was against us, the yeah. walk-off bomb. And, I mean, we've seen – I mean, A's fans, we've seen it. Yeah, they, the last – I think their last 12 games or 15 games in T-Mobile Park this last season, they had over 30,000 people. So, I mean, they're making money. They know how to make money. They were making money when the team wasn't very good. But so much of these teams and so much of their payroll and structure is based on the RSN. That's a problem. And, like, with the Mariners, they bought the rights to televise the Kraken and they bought the rights to televise the Blazers a few years ago, paid pretty good money to get them, and those are based on that subscriber information that they had. It's on the basic. If they lose all that, then the equation that they have for it to be profitable kind of goes out the door. So I think they don't really understand what's going to happen. I know they're trying to negotiate to try and get that back off of there, but I just don't see it happening. Comcast made the decision. They've been kind of going back and forth. From what it sounds like, Comcast just said, look, we're going to put you on this upper tier package, and if you don't like it, we can just drop you as a whole. So that's where they're at, and I think that's been the biggest thing. And I think that's changed a lot of their plans. I, I, I don't think that Jerry DePoto went into this offseason thinking we're going to have to move a bunch of guys and, and trade and free up payroll. You always want to free it up, but I don't think that they ha- they thought, oh, we're going to have to do this. And now they're in a situation where they have to do it if they want to go out and get some guys, You know, whether it's trading for some of the raise hitters or you know, you're signing a, a mid-level free agent. They're going to have to move some money around so they have some free money to do it. And that's kind of what those trades have been about. Yeah, let's end on this. I mean, at this point, we thought the Mariners, big players, pitching. This is a team, you know, in the West. I you know, I think the Astros could take a step back. We'll see what the Rangers will be like in their defense. I mean, the A's, we are what we are heading to Vegas, still years away from really doing something. Otani leaving, the, the Angels, we don't even know what the Angels are. This is kind of like a Mariners time with this young pitching. I mean, where do they go from here? If It kind of sounds like yeah. Jerry DePoto's kind of wheeling and dealing from the outside, and they're not going to be big players. Yeah, it's, that's the problem. Like, this was their window. I mean, yeah. like, you, you look at their rotation. Um, you, have, you have Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Brian Wu, Bryce Miller, and Robbie Ray coming back eventually. I mean, that's your window. And, you know, you don't know how long, not only, like, contract-wise you're going to keep them all together, but they're all going to be healthy at the same time. That's, you know, Logan Gilbert's never missed a start due to injury. You know, George Kirby, two straight seasons he's made starts. You know, so you're like, 
this is your window and your time. You have a kid, you have a superstar in center field. You have a shortstop coming off his best year in J.P. Crawford, and you have a catcher that hits 30 bombs right up the middle. You, the you big know. dumper. Yeah, and what they don't have is the pieces around it, and they doesn't sound like, you know, they're going to go out and get players. They're not going to just go into the season with what they have, but what they when they – did this rebuild in twenty after the twenty eighteen season and got rid of Cano and Diaz and and all those guys? They promised that once they kind of got a core built up, that they would supplement and they would spend. You know, they were cutting back all the payroll, trimmed it way down to under a hundred million, and then once they got all the pieces in place, they would spend. Well, the pieces have been in place the last two years. Last year, they got Tommy Listella and Trevor Gott in free agency and traded for Colton Wong, which was just a bad contract swap, and AJ Pollock. This year, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they did trade for Teoscar Hernandez. This year, they didn't offer Hernandez the qualifying offer. They didn't bring, you know, they didn't bring back Hanager last year. They're doing all these things. They're in a different spot, so they're going to have to get better by doing things like a team that, you know, is a lower level payroll team, and that's not who they are. I no. mean, their market isn't a, they're not a mid level market. They're a higher level market, and they should pay, pay that way, but they're not going to do it. So, if it's trading for, if it's trading Bryce Miller to get one of the hitters from the Rays, that's what they're going to have to do. Or maybe they can get one from the Orioles, but they're all going to go. It's all going to be about club control and guys that probably don't have to cost a lot. There may be a, a free agent signing in the mix, but it's not going to be a guy. It's not going to be the Otanis or the Bellingers or any of those guys. I don't think, I think it'll be a lower level guy. I mean, even you wonder even if somebody like Jim or Candelario is a little too expensive for them at this point, but that's where that's the cost of it doing business. You know, if you want to compete, you got to spend. And the the team that won the division, that celebrated on your on your home field, winning, the, you know, making the playoffs, and then eventually won the World Series, spent and they won. You know, and that's how they make money. So it's they're not in a, a great spot. It's pretty weird because like a year ago I didn't think that, but this Comcast thing changed a lot of the math, and I think they're just kind of cognizant of that right now. Author of the Scottsdale Bro. <laughs> yeah, no more Jerry Kelnick in Scottsdale. Were we saying Sarasota? Sarasota is that where they train? I mean, like, I think I think I looked it up and it was Sarasota for for Kelnick now for Sar- the Braves. So did, like we have to do an investigation on Sarasota, Florida to see how he fits so in. That's where do, Macho Man's from? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Oh, so you get the big Macho Man glasses uh, yeah. with the white, and you probably go like if you're driving a Jeep Wrangler, you go from white to yellow. You know, you want to have the full yellow with the rims. Does the tribal tattoo still work, though? I mean, maybe you get some barbed wire instead. Okay. It's Florida, you know, something like that instead. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Well, good luck. Yeah. Should be, should and be then we'll contact you if anything happens. You guys do anything big. That sounds good. And then if not, stay warm. Oh, yeah, always. <laughs> All right, buddy. Ryan Divish from the Seattle Times joined us right here. Uh, we got Lance. Oh, our guy Lance. We saw Marquee Sports. Got to have Lance on. You kidding me? Let's do this. What 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 is Tori done? Is oh Tori is done, but I don't know. He's right there. I thought you were gonna Let's see if he'll see us. He's talking to someone. It looks like. So we've always had you know, back when Tori was not a World Series manager. He's a former A, so he's always come on right. And for the first time, his PR people are big league and going. Oh, we're not so sure. Like we were the only people that would talk to him. I mean, you know, at one point. We weren't sure of his job status, whatever. And now they're 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 like, so, hey, let's do this. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. 
that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, you get big time. You're big time. This is, is this a horrible look that we're live and I'm standing like this, but I'm trying to get Tori's attention. Um, we saw Marquee Sports and we go, we got to have him. Yeah, absolutely. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing great. Yeah, we're, good to be here. We're in between Cardinals and Cubs. We knew there could be something could get <laughs> ugly here. <laughs> he could. That's why he separated you guys. Yeah, we're I was like, both put, sides with you. Put the, put, put the A's because no one's going to fight us. They know you don't want to mess with Oakland. <laughs> but yeah, we were we were laughing about that. We've been following you. I know. You've you been throwing out your hot year, takes. Of course. All of a sudden, everybody was freaking out when you had that take about Bur- taking Brios out. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm I'm, the I'm here to. I'm here to primarily get you to think in another direction yes. than I think the general consensus is thinking. So that's where I go. You know, like if I see everyone having one take and I think there's an angle that maybe data analytics presents, I'm always going to go to that side. Even if I maybe don't totally believe it, I'm yeah. happy to <laughs> take the fall and be the guy that becomes the punching bag for that take. So I had to defend Schneider there. I thought it was an interesting decision. I mean, I think there's a lot of variables that the public doesn't know about that interaction. And then we saw afterwards there was a ton more in terms of just the, you know, Whose decision was it? You know, did the team know? You know? That was a whole debacle, I thought. But all right, that was a while ago. We get into national l- stuff. L- l- let's <laughs> let let's here. We're gonna talk. This is my take on Otani. This is what's it. interesting. I feel Shohei Otani is basically because we know a lot from our time with the Angels. Remember, he broke in. Sure. And that was see against us, yep. and we've seen him a lot. We know the Angels people. To me, Shohei Otani, don't think of him as a baseball player. Think of him as Tom Cruise. <laughs> he is you, a star. <laughs> you want to make a lot of money? Because this is all about return on investment. Yeah. You want your ROI for this contract? So you want to make a mission impossible? <laughs> you get Tom Cruise. It's a good movie. It's you want You want another Top Gun? Top Gun 2? You better have Tom Cruise. Because yeah. when he's on the screen, it makes money domestically yeah. and internationally. And this is where Shohei Otani plays more than any player in the history of baseball. I agree. Because of the international money. So we could sit here and talk about what you think is weighted runs created pluses. <laughs> you could think about could. data and all that. His is about money and how much yeah. money you're going to make off of him. So that's why I wonder, when I think about Chicago mm. versus L.A., or especially like San Francisco, and I think about Seattle, where you start talking about Japanese airlines, Japanese yeah, banks, yeah. Are, like Chicago versus the West Coast. Sell me on why Chicago, the Midwest, they're going to make as much or more money off Otani than West Coast teams. <laughs> I'm going to go into my accounting background here. And by the way, a couple people here, brought but... up that I thought was really good – such an international city. Toronto's yeah, still Toronto in Yeah, Toronto makes a lot of sense in yeah. that respect. I, I think the case for Chicago is that he would become the figurehead of the city, I think, by a, a wide margin. I don't think there's any other athlete that would surpass him in terms of just the – and I'm talking multiple sports. Like, Connor Bedard's been unbelievable on the hockey side. Like, he's becoming Like the figure. biggest guy since Jordan? 
I I mean I can't really think of anyone that would dominate like he would. Now some people are going to look at us and interest. say we're crazy, but folks, Otani is an international yeah. star. Yep. Michael Jordan was an international star. Yeah, yeah and I think that's a, that's a huge part of this. Is just he could be like it, we don't know what he wants. Like we think it sounds like he wants to win. I think everybody wants to win. I think everyone probably wants money, right? Yeah. You might say you not want money, but then when someone presents you an extra five million dollars a year, they're going to call you bluff as to whether you're actually going to turn that down to go somewhere where he actually wants to win. So. I don't know his incentives. I don't think anybody knows his incentives. You know, that's, I think, the biggest mystery of this. Looking at even, like, sports books and stuff and, like, trying to see who they're projecting, where he's going to go. Like, I get it's the Dodgers, but at the same time, I, I think we're discounting the probability that someone else just comes in and pays for him. I just saw a report, I think it was from J.P. Morosi, that the Braves are, like, potentially interested. And, like, that's the first time I'd heard that. Yeah. But it makes sense. Like, if you actually want to win – like, I think the Cubs are a really good spot for that. I think they have one of the strongest farm systems in baseball, subjectively and also objectively looking at places like Fangraphs in terms of how they actually calculate the value of individual prospects. If you actually want to win, though, like, why don't you just go to the Braves? You know? Like, that lineup becomes is arguably the best lineup in baseball, and then you have Shohei Otani in there. If you want it to impact your team as much as possible to then win, like, I think that makes a lot of sense. Chicago, on the other hand, is, I think, a longer-term vision. It's like – Okay, we have guys like Kate Horn in the minor leagues. I think he's one of the top two, three pitching prospects in baseball. Pete Carr Armstrong struggled at the end of last year, but he has a really good chance to be impact defender, impact bat, in my opinion. You have a lot of guys that are coming up and maturing. If he wants to be the shepherd of that, like if you want to project maybe two to three years down the road, this team being in the NLCS multiple years in a row, I think that's totally fair, especially with adding a guy like Council for multi-year deal at $8 million. So, like, they're here. You know, like they're going to be competitive in that division despite what other teams are doing. And I think they have potentially the biggest pocketbook to do so and to compete. Like no one else is going to – and no one else in the NL Central has even been kind of rumored on Otani, right? It's just the Cubs. So oh, yeah. If no, he wants to go to that city and become the figurehead of the city and also have a nice balance of winning, I think he can get everything he's looking for by coming to Chicago. And he can get everything he's looking for by coming to L.A. too. It's just I do think Chicago is like a really – interesting place in that respect of like being the guy like I don't think he's the guy in LA LeBron James is the guy in LA I think people would care about him in LA but like that is like also another spot where he could go to win like I think they're structured so beautifully in the minor leagues in terms of integration between analytics and how that gets to the field that there's a really good chance they're competitive for years to come even if you know they don't have maybe the lineup they had or the rotation they had a couple years ago but yeah that's my case I guess like you would be relative to any other city Otani in Chicago would be like, the biggest. I, I don't think that uh, that's a debate, honestly. Like, I'd be surprised if anyone could counteract that. Chicago would be, like, he's the biggest athlete in the city. Like, you want to dominate all four markets? There you go. Come yeah, I don't think there's enough sausage, cheese, and Miller Lite to get him to think about Milwaukee. I don't <laughs> think that's uh, even in play. You know, I just wonder, when you start thinking about the long-term deal that he wants, even though he starts saying short-term just to kind of get his more people in, but the long-term deal, he's going to want a bunch of opt-outs in there. Sure, sure. How do you feel about that if you say, man, all right, the owner, uh, Ricketts, says, all right, here we go. Wait, it's Ricketts, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he goes in and says, all right, $600 million. But he can bounce after three years. Like, how are yeah. you going to feel about three years? Five? There's always that, I can leave you. Like, I love you. Let's get married. <laughs> but every two years, I might be out of yeah, here. I know. I know. It's a great question. I think the – 
most interesting thing about this free agency case is that he has the leverage, right? I don't really think there's teams that have leverage. Everyone is like trying to pitch to Otani, yeah. probably trying to appease. Oh, him there's in no doubt. Ways, yeah. You know, it's not really the inverse. I think there's a lot of situations in free agency where it's kind of the inverse, right? Like the team is interested, but hey, there's three other pitchers we could go after that slightly marginally less in cost, and we think we maybe could capture more upside with. You know, this is the conversation around Snell and Nolan, Sonny Gray, and other pitchers. Like they're amalgamous. Like they're similar, I think, in a lot of ways, but. With Otani, like, I think whatever he wants, he's going to get, right? Because yeah. if you're Jed Hoyer or something, you're probably worried that another team would just match it, you know? So, like, if he goes in and says, listen, like, I want the chance after three years to opt out, you know, or maybe two years to opt out, where you can get a full season back as a starting pitcher in 2025, that would be, you know, give me 140 innings to pitch, and then I opt out again and I show you that I am a starting pitcher. Then you have the variance there, though. It's like, okay, if he comes back and maybe he doesn't recover as well and teams see him more as a reliever, then that's a completely different calculus in terms of the actual monetary value of him as a player on the field. We're not talking about the off-field stuff, you know, going forward. So, I think whatever he wants and opt-outs, he can get. You know, I don't really think teams have too much leverage. Back be like an every year opt-out. I'm gonna send a ten-year deal, but it's ten years of opt-outs. Yeah, like every year. Like it's hard to project what teams are gonna win yeah. too, right? So like, if that's actually the biggest thing he cares about, then like, it makes sense to have opt-outs. Because what if you're wrong? You know, what if the GM turns over? What if something else happens? Like, there's a lot of turnover in baseball. You see it all the time. It's like we think a team's gonna be really good and not. Like, there's a chance that he's, you know, the team that he goes to is not good in a couple of years and. I, if I was Otani, I'd want to build in an opt-out as well. So you chart pitching. Tell people, you chart <laughs> pitching every day, every team. Talk about how yeah. – I don't think there's anybody in the media who charts pitching more than you do. <laughs> and just a standpoint of how everybody's doing, their innings, their stuff. Tell us how you chart yeah, it. I mean, generally, if we have a late game in Chicago, I work for Mercury Sports Network, so I'm always at the, next to the stadium working in the studios and stuff. Um I'll just wake up in the morning, and if I miss something, I'll just rip through guys. So, like, I'll I'll look through lines, box scores, and then I'll go to somewhere like True Media, which is a resource I use, and I'll look at what changed in that individual pitcher. My favorite time is to do this right at the beginning of the season, right, because then you get what did you change from last year. You know, 2023, we saw this, this, and this. First start of this year, what's different? What are you like, looking at? Velocity, spin yeah. rates, what are I'm you? I'm looking at the only two kind of biomechanic things we have on the public side are, like, release height and extension. Those are kind of where I go first to see, like, okay, is there something different here? Or if I – if I see something, I'll maybe go back to spring training reporting and see, okay, did he talk to an athletic writer about adjusting something mechanically? Do we actually see that in the data? Is the release height lower? Is extension up? Something along those lines, because then that will feed it back into how is that affecting the pitch shapes? Like, is the fastball have more hop? Is it a new slider? Did he add a cutter? What does the changeup look like? What did he work on? You know, I won't really go into usage that early in, say, April, early April. I'll probably get into that a little bit later as guys turn over lineups and have an understanding of how they're pitching on a day-to-day basis. But I just kind of look at what pops out and interests me. And sometimes, like, I'll, I'll get nuggets from people and organizations as well, a lot of contacts. I text people, and they might say, hey, watch out for this. We're trying to adjust this with this guy. And that Substack I have has kind of grown. It's been fun. I have about 10 front office people actually receiving it every time I send it out. I'm pretty selective with when I send it out. I haven't done much in the off season, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip it next year for sure and try to blow it up and get it over to maybe, like, 1,000 people. But I think that it's a testament to just – it helps inform, you know, conversations I have yeah. with you guys in the season. And you do a great job on pitchers. TV, yeah. What I appreciate I see. that a lot. Yeah. And, and and the thing about Otani with pitching, now with the second surgery, we just yeah. don't know. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if he'll ever win another game. I, he could come back and be the most dominant pitcher. You mentioned it, something that we've thought a lot about is at some point do you get the most value of him pitching the most, and that maybe he's out of the bullpen. Yeah, for Just, sure. and, and that's where he could be a two-pitch guy and come in and blow people. But from the pitching standpoint, when you're dealing with a second surgery, 
Yeah, just, I, mean, you, I mean, we just don't know. It's a great point. I was actually just at Wake Forest University. They had a conference called The Bridge, which is essentially – bunch of really smart pitching people go there way smarter than me well they've done a whole thing with their ho- their school's hospital right at yeah the, that's yeah. exactly the bridge is the concept yeah. between bridging you know biomechanics and everything to the field so a lot of people there from the biomechanics side and pitching coach side trying to understand a lot of it was around ucl and there was some, i don't want to i'm not an injury guy like i generally stay away from all that because i definitely we're playing doctor it. here on a's cast live one of the things that was mentioned though was the return to performance, right? Return to peak performance. That's like, it's called like RPP in a lot of the medical fields. It's like, it's hard to measure, number one, because what is peak performance or what is return to p- performance as opposed to just return to play? Like, I that can throw again. That is interesting. Like, when was yeah. your very, 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 very best? Yeah, exactly. And, like, are you going to get back there? So, one is of the that by stuff at, or by not? Or your. It's up to you. You could trust whatever you Because I may standard, not felt you know? well and throw, thrown a no hitter. That would technically be my point. best, right? And you could yeah. think of guys like Noah Syndergaard not really bouncing back. And then, is that because of the injury? Is it because of other things? things like there's a lot of things to kind of play around in that space one of the things they talked about is just that percent kind of drops a little first and second surgery right the potential to get back to that peak performance is a little bit lower it doesn't mean like think probabilistic there's a chance he's better than he was pre-time there's a chance he's worse there's probably a reasonable chance it's about the same but a lot of variance the thing that i think i took away was from a lot of the medical talks there was just every single case is very different like we don't get on the public side information as to where the tear was like, is it in the middle of the UCLs and one ends of the UCL? That was something I, like, never even thought of. But we get, You're you know, right. flexor strain UCL s- surgery. And then the actual doctors going in performance surgeries are, like, the variance on a case-by-case basis. You know, how's your arm structured? What's your I humerus like? I never thought There's about so that. There's so many yeah, things because that factor in. It goes through your funny bone, right? Yeah, it's a line. So, like, so like not where all tears are in the same and spot. Is, 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 is a certain tear in a, di- in a certain spot better or worse? tear. And then we have now the internal brace, which is different than a full reconstruction. You know, there's so many different wow. variables that go into it. And We know with I'm Achilles you want a full here. tear. It's better to have a full tear with an Achilles, but yeah. that's totally different. Yeah, That's a great point. But, yeah, we, they talked about the internal brace surgery a little bit, which is, is obviously a that's Do you like that up. from what you researched? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to give an opinion it on that. It sounds crazy. It's it's it. The thing that I thought was the most interesting was the, like the two sides of it. Was one there's a piece of like synthetic that goes into the UCL in the internal brace, from what I understand. Again, please check me on this. It's like Tommy John, but not. Yeah. So it sh- <laughs> exactly. So it sh- there's a chance that like that synthetic actually helps your elbow from a strength standpoint over time, but there's also a chance that it stiffens you up. So it's like the variability in w- how one response could have to it is big. I think that yeah. one of the things that stood out to me was just that they said with the internal brace, initially they thought they'd have more aggressive timelines, right? Like guys would come back a little bit earlier, which I think has been the case. But one of the things that was mentioned by one of the physicians there, actually a team physician, I think for you guys, um, Freehill, Mike Freehill, I think is his yeah. first name. I'm probably missing up the first name. but Freehill's for sure. Check that. Freehill. Give me Dr. Freehill's Freehill. first name. Dr. Freehill. Get him Stanford on the phone. University. He talked about just how – um, like that in, in relation to the UCL, like um, I lost my train of thought here, but um, coming back faster, coming back faster. Yeah. So what they did was initially had a set of timelines that were aggressive. And then now, since they've seen more internal brace surgeries because of the variance from pitcher to pitcher, they've kind of pushed it back and just been like, okay, let's just like pack it off. Like the, you're, remember you when guys were coming back, back too fast from Tommy John's you could come back quicker, but there's also go chance to... that it's just the same as a full reconstruction. So wow. there's so many variables to think of on the medical side. And like, I'm, I'm barely scratching the surface. Council, I do not have the same how fine I mean, – manager, most people go, eh. Craig Council coming over. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's great. I mean, like, I think that's a signal that the team is willing to make aggressive moves that they think will benefit the organization. Is a fan base fired up? I think the fan base is really fired up. I listen to 670 score all the time. My guys, Spiegel and Parkins and stuff in the, in the, in the market, and I think they do an amazing job. And, yeah, I think it's been shocking – 
you know, I have some individuals in the organization I know that had no clue, you know, is a very small subset of people that I think understood, and that, that's obviously been reported. It's not really news. But, yeah, $8 million, like, I think it's they think he can make an impact on this team, and I think everyone agrees, and it's just a matter of your analytics guy, and analytics guys think that managers can only do so much. Uh, it's fair. It's a good point. I mean, I, I've advocated for a while, like, and I've talked to other people about this. I don't. It's never going to happen, but give the manager full autonomy. Inform him on the analytics, but then track his decision making. Like you can't improve something that you can't measure, right? That's something you hear in baseball all the time. This is why we have TrackMan and Rapsodo and Hawkeye and analytics to understand mm-hmm. body movement, and also pitch velocity and shape, etc. Like you to improve something, you have to track it. So it's hard for me to like know even how much manager impact there is because we don't track, we don't look at it. We only look at it when you have like these outside scenarios where it's like I think he completely messed up there. You know, it's like I don't know. Is that the first time he messed up? Has he made that decision multiple times prior, bringing that one guy in in certain spots to relieve a certain pitcher? You know, and also the thing most fascinating to me is like on the analytics side. Okay, if we think that it's a poor decision to do X. But the manager consistently can circumvent that, you know, and actually do X and does it effectively. And we can track it over the course of a season or two. Like, that's fantastic. Like, I would give the manager autonomy to then override our analyst's decision. Like, that nuance is important. That's why you're paying a guy like, <coughs> excuse me, Crank Council that much money. That's, like, that's what he's there for. You know, I don't think it should be heavily reliance on analytics. I think it should be the nuance of the manager. But I, I really would love to see, like, some kind of information around tracking when guys are pulled, how they're brought in, like that should really be introspected into from a, from a management and front office standpoint to understand like how much impact your manager has and how accurate they are at going away from the analytics. I don't think we talk about that enough. All right, so check this out. W- with fan bases, I've learned like baseball is different from others. And let me give you an example. Sure. In the NBA, when you had the Warriors winning all these titles and now they're brilliant, Steve Kerr, who was a former GM, mm-hmm as now head coach of the Warriors, talked about how he worked with the front office with all of their data. The, the I'm not adverse to the NBA analytics, but sure, whatever sure. they are, mm-hmm. right? So they, he said it was a total collaboration. Mm-hmm. And Warrior fans went, this is awesome. We're winning titles, whatever. And then all of a sudden they'd look at the A's and Moneyball and analytics, and it was the devil. It's like, wait a minute. Why is it okay <laughs> for Steve Kerr to tell you that the front office and it's a collaboration, and then when I tell you it's Bob Melvin and a collaboration, you're killing me. Yeah. Like, why is it okay? And that's still a problem. So it, there also is still, and we don't know organization to organization, how many of the in-game, on-the-field moves are coming from the front office. Yeah, I don't think we really don't know, know. That much in baseball either. Like, they might say, but I, I don't exactly know. I think majority of lineups are probably, I'm not speaking of the Cubs specifically, but I think the majority of lineups are probably set or have heavily influenced by the front office based no on doubt. player availability. No doubt. You know, and it's like that's probably the only thing that I know. But apart from that, like, it's hard to, like, script things in baseball, you know? Like, hey, we want to go 7-8-9 with these guys, and then you're started struggling in the fourth, and it's like we think this is a huge spot. Like, do you then go to the seventh or eighth guy then? Like, how does he do out of routine? Like, there's there's a lot of variables to consider, you know? I. I, I think we assume we know more than we often do on the public side, and I, I think I've been humbled by that over the years. So when you're doing it on TV and you're doing it for the Cubs, I've lost track of time. Are we okay on time? Where are we on time? All right, so um, when you're doing because it's fascinating. You're great. Thank you. And I I, there's a lot. reason why he's on television <laughs> in, in a major market. When you do it and you give opinion and you show stuff, it's not all going to be roses. Yeah, sure. You've got to be honest. Yep. How does team personnel react to you (laughs) 
Do you ever get any pushback? Because obviously you're showing some smart stuff. I've seen your work. Mm-hmm. I, I guarantee we know how sensitive these data people are sensitive. <laughs> you know why? Because they're not used to being sports people. Uh, not all data it's people, fair, right? Fair. The they, is, I mean, if you went massive. to MIT and you're really smart, but at MIT no one was grinding you on your on, on your on your grades. Like <laughs> for us that grew up playing, and then all of a sudden we've gone to meet it. We're used to being judged, and it's part of it. And it's you know you got to have thick skin, Buttercup. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> but a lot of these data people who come in, like I met a guy that we've hired. He's some guy, he's a data guy in Pittsburgh. He's never played. I met a guy, I, I sh- maybe shouldn't be saying this, but I met a guy, I don't even know what the hell he's ever played. So if he ever started getting criticized, who knows? He'd have. So sure, sure. how do the Cubs people, and the Cubs got some really smart people, yeah. when you're doing what you're doing and maybe it's being honest and it's you know saying that you maybe not like something, how do they react yeah, to it? It's a, it's a good question. Um, I can't say I've gotten a ton of pushback. I think at the end of the day I've been incredibly supported by Marquis and a lot of the individuals there to do exactly what I want to do, and I've had a ton of trust from our upper management and people to, to go out there and be smart. Like We're trying to do something different. Like I'm trying to do something different. Yeah. Obviously that's going to anger people. I've never really had any odd conversations with anyone in the Cubs at any level. I have really good relationships with everybody there. I think they support me fully. And I think that the key thing is that for me to have some feel, some feel around, like, information that I might get that, you know, I is obviously not something I'm going to put on air. You know what I mean? Like, that feel is, is really important because then if I have the feel around those conversations, the information that I'm intaking and what I'm going to say, then that I think that they give me more trust. Like, any organization would give me more trust. It's not that I only talk to the Cubs. Like, my goal is to always do something nationally. I love the sport of baseball as a whole. So I talk to people in every organization, you know? And it's like the ability to have that feel and know, you know, what I can bring into my hits and segments and what is just not – it's not okay to do that. Like, I think that feel – and it's innate. It's not – it's something I've learned over the years. Have I made mistakes in the past? Absolutely. Pre-marquee, of course. Everyone does weird things. But, like, I think for the most part, you've got to have a good feel around what you're given and who you're talking to and then what makes it into – and what's relevant, too, you know? Like, I'm – and what I'm also – I'm confident in actually saying, you know, if I don't fully understand something and someone explains a topic to me, like, it's really hard for me to then go on air and and try to enunciate it in a course of a 30-second or one-minute hit, you know? So – it's. I think it's really innate feel is the, is what it comes down to, and filtering that information in a smart way. You know, the we've talked to so many people who got into this industry because they read the book or they saw the movie Moneyball. Billy Bean sure, sure. inspired a new generation of front office people who want to be somebody. They yeah. all want to be like Billy Bean, but you're not going to be like Billy Bean because Billy Bean's different. Billy Bean was a player. He got to the big leagues. Yep. He's this super charismatic guy. And then all of a sudden in baseball, we had this influx of just all these data people, and they're not great communicators. They're not good bosses. They're not great communicators. And now we're starting to see the trend of the former player who gets it mm. now being put in charge as general managers, That's right? A great we're point, we're yeah. started, We're really starting to see, you know, Chris Young obviously is going to get highlighted, but as you Craig know, Breslow, Craig yeah. Breslow, who we used to have on this show all the time, the yeah, smartest man, man of baseball, Sam Fold, our, yeah, another Oakland. One. Yep. A lot of Oakland guys. Uh, <laughs> Sam Fold, right? And we're yeah. going to have Sam. When's Sam coming on? Uh, Wednesday. So Sam nice, Fold. Nice. So, so we're seeing former players, well-versed in data, who understand it, yep. who maybe have a better chance to explain it and help the player. 
Because players are interesting, right? Some players are going to love it. Some players are not. Everybody learns differently, right? We all learn differently. Absolutely. Like some people want to read it. Some people are visual learners. Some people, they got to hear it. I mean, everybody's different. But it is something, I think, this trend now, what do you think about that? It's like the former players, but they are data driven type guys yeah. are now being the guys that everybody's looking for. I love it. I think it's fantastic because it immediately, I think, allows the player and other people to buy in a little bit more, especially if you have someone that has played and has gone through that. I didn't play at a high level, you know, so like I can't. What was the highest level you played? High school. Yeah, I didn't really get to college. I wasn't good. I didn't grow in my body until late, which is always my excuse I got. Because I'm 6'4 now, but yeah, at the time like, I was seriously. like 6'2", and I was super undersized. You're supposed to lie and say, well, I was really a point guard. Uh. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was never particularly good at basketball, unfortunately. But, but yeah, I, I love it because I think at the end of the day, player buying is huge. Yeah. I'm talking to coaches about this all the time. Like, at the end of the day, you could have everything. You could have seam shifted wake and all these other comps that we're talking about solved. But if you can't actually communicate to the player, then there's no chance that it's actually going to make it into the game and impact the game in a, in a material way. So I think I think it's awesome because it allows that immediate buy-in, you know, from a guy like Breslow. Like, if a guy doesn't believe, you know, pitch design or anything along those, along those lines, I imagine he could just sit down with Breslow really quickly. You immediately get respect because it's Craig Breslow. Correct, you know? yeah. And then he'll be able to communicate effectively on exactly why it could impact this guy's career, you know? And it's also, like, respect for the player. Like, you got to give players autonomy. That was something they talked about a lot at the Wake Forest conference I was at. Like, players have autonomy. Like, if that player doesn't want to do something, then, like, that's fine. Like, one thing I've, I've talked to other people about, too, all the time is, like, you know, they'll bring something to a player, the player will say no. So, okay, you can't do it. You can't do it with the player. But then I really like some of the coaches I've talked to is, like, they've learned, like, persistence. Like, respect that player's decision to have the autonomy in the moment, you know, especially if he's making a lot of money. And then over the course of periods of time, the analytics are almost betting that that player might struggle because of the lack of this adjustment. And then that player might come around and come to you and be like, hey, you mentioned that a while back. Like, I'm struggling, man. Like, help me out. And the ability to have persistence in that interaction allows you at the end of maybe a three or four month period with that pitcher when he starts to dip down in performance to then go in and help him. You know, I think a lot of the times, you know, the thing that maybe goes wrong in front offices or I don't even say front offices, let's say like on-field coaching and development is like, you know, you bring up something to a player that player's resistant to it and then you like throw your hands up and give up like that's that's not good i think from a development standpoint to do that you always have to respect that player's autonomy to make a decision and be persistent such that down the road like there's a chance that he might come around and actually need your help and i've heard this example multiple times some major league cases too that i won't say specific names but there's guys who didn't believe a certain coach and then you know down the road that coach was like hey he came around and I stay persistent, and it, it helped that guy at the end of the day. So that, like, persistence and respect for the player's autonomy is, is supremely important. You know, I, I, I look a lot at what we saw with the pitch clock is kind of what we're going to continue to see is all the young guys that we had came up, not a problem. Like, they're used to yep, it, right? Yep. And I think you'll see this wave for years now. All these young guys coming up are all – everybody's yeah, into Everybody's comfortable with it. Yeah, yep. so it's like once this older generation leaves us – Everybody will be so used to it because these kids are using it in high school. They're using it in college. They're using it in the minor leagues. It'll be second nature. So this kind of conversation we're, ha we're having, we won't have five years from now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a good point. I mean, I, I think I think that's a, that's a really salient point for sure. All righty. We appreciate your time. I've taken a lot Absolutely. of your time. No, I, I've lost I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I could talk to you all day, too. But you got smarter people coming in than me. Uh, I you mean, got managers and people. You put me you put me in front of a manager. It's impressive. No, I got to <laughs> tell you, it's your, your work is really good. Thank and, you. Appreciate and that obviously with Marquee Sports and the Chicago Cubs, you know, we get to see some of your stuff. And that's how we found you. I'm like, yeah. this, this guy's good. We got to have him on. So appreciate, appreciate the time. We'll see you the rest of the meetings. And yeah, hopefully, well, yeah. hopefully something happens. <laughs>
it's like it's, down, like, right? it's like it's like everybody right now. It's like they're held prisoner by Otani. Because <laughs> you're not going to go out. You're not going to yeah. go out and spend like three years, seventy-five million if you're in on Otani. It's a great point. It's a very good point. I, I don't know. Maybe go get Soto and then come back and, and pitch so, Otani. Maybe nothing's going to happen with Soto it, right? until Otani. Yeah, I don't think anything's going to happen. So we're all going to get trades. Kind of like Judge last. Well, we had all the shortstops signed early. Yeah, the yeah, shortstop's yeah. all going. But it's like kind of we're like sitting around. What's Judge going to do? It's the same thing. We're like sitting around. But Otani is the whole market. If you're in on Otani, you're not making any moves yeah, until you get Otani. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. I'm, I'm very curious to see where he goes. Great stuff. Appreciate it as always. Thanks what do we got next? I've lost track. Where it's the second show of the uh, afternoon. I've lost uh, track. Bobby Evans is coming up next. The great Bobby Evans, three-time World Series champion right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. He's so big time that he needed a police escort to get in here, and that police escort was the great Commander Cody. Bobby Evans, three-time World Series champion, joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you? Hey, I'm great. It's amazing. This is, a, this is not everybody's baseball favorite place. Because uh, Opryland is so sprawling, baseball people can't find each other. But I've always loved it, and it's nice. It's the you know it's the biggest property you can imagine, and you, know, you can't walk five feet without seeing people you haven't seen all season or all year. Or yeah. Sometimes in years, and uh, it's great to be back. I, I love I love the environment, the the energy, and this is a big big winter meeting. I mean, there's a lot going on. I think there's going to be some action. So hopefully, we get to be a part of it. Uh, we'll see. Right. You know, so I, I, I was telling the fans earlier today. So uh, this is our second show today. So I'll say it again. When I was checking in, I was like, this place is massive. It is massive. And I asked him and the guy told me, he goes, we are the largest property and rooms in the United States of America that doesn't have a casino. <laughs> they have over 3000 rooms here. 3000. Wow. And I'm like, how do you get? 3,000 rooms. Now, if you have a casino, I know why you're getting three. They don't have a casino. So there's a water park. There's a golf course. I mean, there's so much going on here. This place, it's kind of like a mini 
Disneyland without the rides. That's right. That's right. It's crazy. It's a mecca. I mean, it's huge. And, and outside, looking at it, you don't realize how big it is because you can't only see but so much when you're outside. But when you're inside, you just you, you get lost. Grand Old Opry right across the way. Obviously famous and all so many big acts uh, continue to play there. But Opryland, this place, I'd never been. I mean, I, I'm fortunate traveling around with the A's and with the Raiders. I've been to most every big city. I'd never been here. And the moment I was here on Saturday night, and I know this is their dead time and how packed they are, I'm like, how's Major League Baseball not have a team here? That's dumb. The NFL's here. The NHL's here. I I know our man Dave Stewart. I just saw him. Is going to put a team here. Expansion, though, we don't know when that's going to happen. I'm like, how is a team not here right now? Yeah, well, it's and, and, it's, and it's become even more popular post-COVID. I mean, everybody's moving here. So uh, they've done well with the NFL. They've done well in other major sports, obviously college sports. So I think the time's coming. I think baseball's you know anxious to get Tampa and Oakland figured out, and then off they go. They'll add to 31 and 32. All right, an agent comes to you and says they want six hundred million. I mean, how do you how, how do you how do you put your arms around the size, the figure? To me, Otani's different. He's an international star. I believe he will bring you. I keep comparing him to Tom Cruise. You put Tom Cruise in a movie, you're going to make money domestically, and you're going to make it internationally. That's what Otani's different than any player we've ever seen. The return on investment is there. You're going to make a lot of money, but still, it is a commitment. It's guaranteed money. As a general manager, you got to deal with the owner. It's the owner's money. I mean, just just talk us through that. What do you think it's like? Well, those are those are numbers that we we've we've never seen before, right? I mean, we're we're we still have clubs that are struggling to, to do deals over a hundred. And now we're seeing more of that, of course. But now we now the the real struggle for the big market clubs is: Am I going to do a three hundred and fifty million dollar deal? Which we've seen <laughs> yeah. the struggle with that. Now you're talking, you know, potentially six hundred. I mean, I, I mean, the numbers the numbers, you know, are being are being run outside of the baseball ops department right now. Which you know, we we always were cognizant of the the benefits of adding premier talent, and so you would you would talk about that with a free agent but never a focal point but it has to be a focal point when you're talking about 600 million because the return on investment has to come from other places it can't just come on a win and loss record i mean it's going to have to come in you know marketing and 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 seats sold and and sponsorships and following of course we know you know the following of this player is is tremendous but how do the angels afford to let him go? They've they've already reaped the benefits of, of him becoming who he is, and so I don't know how they how they let him go. They 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 know what the return would be. They they're probably they're probably wishing they'd have made a deal sooner. But I think it gives the Dodgers an advantage, um, you know, with the LA thing. But um, at the same time, you know, when we tried to get him before, it was evident that he needed to be somewhere. There's a DH. Well, everybody has a DH now. Yeah. So I think he. Do you think you guys were ever close? I think the fact that we were one of the finalists, you know, made us close. But I think that I think the tipping point was 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 the DH. I just don't, I don't know that there was anything else that really you know prevented us from being able to to bring him home. Obviously, when I think about, I mean, and I'm a novice when it comes to this, but I'm thinking about the Japanese airlines that fly into San Francisco. I know there's Japanese banks in San Francisco. When I'm thinking about how do I get my return on investment here. So with the Giants where they are right now, and you can say the same thing for Seattle, you can say the same thing for L.A. I mean, we're, I was talking to, to, to the 
Chicago Cubs guy. I'm like, I don't know how the Cubs. Like, uh, Toronto, international city. Like, I can see how international cities this could really play. So, like, like San Francisco right now. How much do you think they're thinking about that? Because of obviously, you know, you can make some money off Shohei Otani internationally, especially if you're the San Francisco Giants. No, I think we, you know, the Giants will benefit tremendously, obviously, um, and they have a lot to offer. You know, with uh, the city, the ballpark, the you know, the relationship with San Francisco and Japan and the Japanese community. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity there. I think that the you know what 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 you're com- everybody's competing against right now is the is the comforts of what has become home. Los Angeles, right? I mean, so that's that's one thing you're competing against. Ultimately, you're competing against each other's offers and opportunity and and chance to make the playoffs and all of that. I think the Giants have have uh, have shown that they they know how to win, and I think that the you know the the pieces aren't all there, but I think that he's attractive, you know, a piece not only for fans, but he's a fact he's a he's a an attractive addition to any club that will make other players all that more interested in joining, you know, just because he's that kind of transcendent player. Um, but, you know, th- this, I don't think you can count the Cubs out, you know, unless they're just not there financially because it's still a very, you know, it's one of the most popular cities for, you know, people in the game. And, you know, he's having now played in the, in the games, you know, the big league six years. So he's been able to see or six plus years. So he's been able to see every city. He knows what he, what he's looking for. Um, you know, I think that the the challenge, you know, for all of us is is trying to get inside, you know, what makes him tick, right? What's gonna What's gonna be the decisive point? We didn't know when we went into the process that the Angels would be, you know, his destination either. I mean, we we did know that we would have to fear the DH, right? We knew we would yeah. have to fear that, but you know, I I don't know that we could have anticipated. You know, we 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 all assumed West Coast. I mean, that was the talk at the time. West Coast it was also the talk that he wanted to make a name, you know for himself with whatever mark whatever team he was with that didn't necessarily have you know long time ties to japan he wanted to kind of be the first of that of that organization at that time yeah he's been there done that now he's now he's the biggest fish of fishes there aren't any bigger and now the other big fish and it's you know i've been i've been talking about how otani's kind of paralyzed the market right now because the other guy out there is Juan Soto. This is potentially a generational talent. You're trying to acquire him with the idea that you're going to have to sign him long term. You're going to be buying what you want to buy, which is the prime years. Um, some of the one of the buyers might be the Giants, and but then again, do you want to trade inside division? Uh, the the Yankee talks has stalled. Um, we talked to Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times. It sound, they're having a cable issue, so it sounds like they're not looking to acquire big-time money because we think he'll get around $33 million in arbitration. Well, well, take us on both sides of it. You're A.J. Preller. you got to get rid of the player. And then the other side of it, you're like, well, I'm an opposing GM. I could trade for him, or I could wait a year and then try and sign him. Well, the advantage, of course, for any club is knowing you have them now and 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 beyond. I I think AJ AJ knows talent so well. He's he he he'll compromise when he has to, but when he doesn't have to compromise, when he has as many options as he probably has right now, there's no reason to compromise on what you're looking for. Um, there may be there may be a, a play where it, it, there's a there's a conversation as a deal nears that you know we want to know that the agent's open to a multi-year deal and. Can we have permission to have that conversation? That could happen with any given club that they're about to make a deal with. Um, I don't think that um, it's going to be easy 
for any club acquiring him to, to make that deal in advance of free, of, of free agency just because the market, you know, rise is so heavy. You know, you, you, you don't want to sell short right now. Why sell short? You got a, a year away, something players dream of getting out in the open market. You're going to be, he's going to be so young. Um, so I, I don't know if clubs are taking a risk on, you have to, unless they're going to have that conversation and can get some assurances from the agent that they're open to doing a deal now, then they're basically, you know, taking a risk on a one year deal. And that's going to affect AJ's ability to move them. Yeah. A lot, right. Prospects. Like, what are you going to, if you know, it's just a one year deal, what are you going to give up? It's going to, it's going to compromise what he can get. And, and he's know, not cheap. Yeah. Because of who he is, you're still, you still have the opportunity to get two top prospects. It's just. The rest is just probably going to be added pieces. What would Barry Bonds, free agent, leaving Pittsburgh, what would Bonds be worth today? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I don't know if people – I don't even know if clubs valued him, you know, for what he had, what he ultimately became, of course. Um, but everybody knew he was he was the top-paid player in the game. He, he signed for, what, $2 million more than Ryan Sandberg. <laughs> you know, that was the deal, uh, $43 million or whatever, you know. Um, six years or seven years. Sandberg's a Hall of Famer, million. great player, but it's like two million. I think mean, now guys are Trout's got a contract four thirty five. Well, well, yeah, these the guys are getting in one year what that Bonds deal was on over seven years. So it's it's not comparable. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's it's unique that 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 Soto. You talk about Soto. It's unique that that, that he's out there and available because Padres want to win. But you're, you know, they're trying to get under a certain threshold. He's the easiest, you know, money to to save on, right? Thirty plus million dollars in arbitration. So, um, you know, I I think it's gonna I think it's gonna um, it's gonna be you know some of AJ's best work will have to take place here to get the to get a deal that is attractive to him and and still brings, you know, some, you know, you know, future, uh, you know, uh, benefit of making this move. Otherwise, you know, it's. You know, shedding $33 million is is nothing you want to do with a player like that. He's worth every penny of that $33 million. Find somewhere else to shed it if you can't get a good deal. But he's, he's locked up so many other guys, you know. He, yeah. You know, he can't, he's probably not going to be able to lock up another one, as we know. So. so when you look at these meetings from the A's perspective, you know the A's situation. You know what's going through with the A's. It's, it, it's a rebuild. There's a little bit of money we've heard from David Forrest. We're going to talk to him on Wednesday. We usually start the meetings with him, but th- we're not going to talk to him till, till Wednesday. But just, you know, when you talk about laying the foundation, maybe not signing anybody here, but you're laying the foundation, talk about from the perspective of David Forrest what, the, what, what you think the A's are doing right now. Well, I look back at, at where we were you know, before a new ballpark in 97, you know, Sabian took over, you know, we'd had a couple of tough years, uh, 93, um, notwithstanding, but then 94 with a strike, no world series, 95, 96 were tough years. Uh, Mr. Trading Matt Williams was a big deal. Mr. Quinn was let go and Brian took over and, and, and trading one of the, fa- I mean, he came through the system. He was clearly one of the favorites of the fan base had such huge power, but it came down to, you know, we can't afford, you know, both. You can't afford Barry and Matt. That's what it came. I think it was Matt and Will, um, and they ended up, you know, letting Will go, and they kept Matt, and then they ended up trading Matt the year later, right? Um, after the 92 season, 93, 93 season, they couldn't hang on to Will. That was a tough decision for the ownership. Now you're now you're going to let go another giant favorite in, in Matt Williams. And Brian labored over it, but he knew what he needed to do to make the payroll work and, and at the same time bring in talent. 
Um, but what? But aside from '97, we were we were looking at a new ballpark come 2000, and we didn't want to go into t the ballpark in 2000 without a team with a chance to win. So I think that I think every A's decision between now and that new ballpark is is trying to make sure when that ballpark opens, you have a competitive team trying to win. Not to say that they won't try to do the best that they can with every year that they have, but you know that that's on their their sight line, and they've been waiting for that for a long time to have to have a point in time where they would be able to introduce an A's team with a new ballpark and that's that's going to come. I don't know what what's the year now. 2028. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, probably probably going to uh depend on low payroll teams in the meantime, but you know, they're going to they're going to you know, you know, try to pull things out of their hat, you know, that they always have done that you know, gets the gets players that really want to show showcase their abilities that are, you know, getting lost elsewhere and they'll get opportunities in Oakland. So, yeah, you know, and I think about what John Hart and what they did in Cleveland. Dan O'Dowd, we have him on all the time. I mean, that, that kind of that model of you're in that old Cleveland Municipal Stadium, but you know it would be Jacobs Field. You're going to get that. It's like finding those young players and having them hit at the right time and add the veterans. I mean, there is kind of a, a right way to open up the new ballpark. I mean, when you guys opened up Pac Bell Park, I mean, obviously you're ready to compete. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's where they want to get to, of course. And they, you know, you look at the Dan O'Dowd and John Hart model, where they were they were early on in the in the locking up these players. I mean, they gave them multi-year deals. You know, we saw a kid. I don't know what he got today. Nineteen-year-old kid that got yeah eight, from Milwaukee, 80, eighty million. <laughs> Milwaukee hadn't had a day in the big leagues. You know, I mean, that's what we're dealing with. You know, to hold on to your guys and and. Even the Red Sox, they lose Mickey Mucky Betts because they didn't approach him in a multi-year deal early enough, and that's what you have to do. And if you're Oakland, as you're thinking about the new ballpark, if you have players in the system or coming, you know, come 26 and 27, you're going to want to lock them up so that they're there not only in 28, but they're there beyond. Yeah, it's it's uh, to think about giving money to guys that giving incredibly large amounts of money to guys that have never competed at this level. That's hard to do. It's hard to do. I mean, we. You know, we had a record deal with Madison Bumgardner after, you know, you know, one year in the big leagues or something, and and even that was only forty million dollars guaranteed. You know, and he had a, he had a year in the big leagues. He had a, we had a World Series under his belt. Yeah, <laughs> so, and he pitched great against the Rangers in the World Series. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, but that's part of what clubs are dealing with now. There is an incentive to get your young players up, you know, earlier, um, and. It, it not only for your clubhouse, but also for your 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 fan base, and and Major League Baseball has given you incentives. But you know, to make that work, once you get a guy on the clock, you know his 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 costs just go like this. So if you're going to bite that bullet, eighty million dollars or whatever it ended up being, you're gambling on on the on the upside, right? And it's it's the risk you take, um, especially in a market where you're trying to control your payroll. Um, Eighty million dollars, uh, with however many years they have control now, that, that they're and, and the option years they have, so that's how you're going to make it work. That's how you're going to balance the books and and keep your talent talent strong. Yeah, it's just like crazy. It's like you you, you got to make sure he does get time in the big leagues. <laughs> that kind well, he's, of ni he's nineteen, and so you 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 know a lot of things can happen. I mean, I look at the Tatis deal, and that's that's a I mean that's three hundred plus million dollars. Yeah, and you know he didn't have a ton of time in the big leagues at that point, but he, you saw the kind of player he was. But but things happen, you know, things happen, injuries happen, uh, players make bad decisions. With you know, in this case, it was I think it was steroids. I mean, you know, and the you know there's there's huge risks, and you know. 
clubs aren't built to take on but so much risk because um, ultimately uh, the the you know the the threshold between uh, the investors and what what kind of risk you know you're not just not just one guy owning these teams anymore i mean in, yeah. in many ca most cases so you have a whole group of people that you know have a voice to what you what level of risk you're going to take on the bottom line and you know they don't want cash calls they want to see you yes they want to see you win and they you don't remember wanna, those right yeah we don't want to have we don't <laughs> want cash calls no, let's end on this what, what are you trying to accomplish here at the meetings well i've joined uh, future star series who uh jeremy booth has built a really great amateur baseball program that really includes uh, a holistic approach to developing high school players and and tried trying to make it more affordable for the average player where players that get lost in the shuffle and don't get to compete at these higher uh, level events these higher showcase events we want to make sure that the players that are part of future star series are, are seen evaluated and signed or drafted you know whether they're signed to go to college or drafted uh, ultimately for uh, big league opportunities and future star series has over the last six seven years has built a really good reputation amongst uh, baseball scouts and partnership partnering with major league clubs to make sure that their players are the kind of players that are worth clubs going to see and so i'm i'm consulting with uh the president uh jeremy booth to make sure that they continue to leverage their opportunity to to make an impact for these young players and these families and ultimately the game and so it's for these meetings we're going to be having opportunities to meet with uh, clubs to remind them of of what we're doing and the, the player development model that we've built from a technology perspective and from a performance base uh, model and as well as just an event space just to make sure that they know that the players to see are going to be right in our camp. I'm so glad you're doing that because so many of these showcases they become obnoxious. I got buddies whose kids it's like and, and you're only getting certain types of kids and like you said not everybody's parents can afford it no. not everybody can do the traveling that goes on it's I mean it's unbelievable you don't want to miss out on some talent because there's other sports that will take it oh, yeah. and will absorb oh, it. Yeah. One one that's done a great job of that is football. Football is taking kids and help kids with camps and everything. So, uh, fantastic. So this will be, be affordable. And it's also, uh, you know, it's national across regions all over the country. So, it doesn't require the same level of travel. And then if they do get invited to one of our signature events, it'll either be at Fenway Park or City, F City Field oh, in the past awesome. or Global Life Field or, or Minute Maid Park. And, and so those those stadiums are, are, are where the premier players end up getting to be seen, you know, even more. And uh, a great, great professional baseball-type experience in the process. Where can people find you? Well, futurestarseries.com is, is uh, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, or, or our website, um, but it, the events are happening all over the country uh, through regional and and partnerships that we have, and it's it's sponsored by New Balance. So New Balance is behind us, and and they have a great reach, and uh, they're they're proud of their work. Egyptian baseball still going? Well, little pause for obvious reasons. Yeah, hopefully yeah. it's a short pause. Yeah, uh, but thousands of kids are learning the game of baseball in Egypt, and we're looking for new ways to 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 grow that. And uh, I think the 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 pause will. Well, uh, we'll we'll only energize us for you know going back there next year, which we unfortunately had to miss our fall season. Three-time World Series champion, glowing, growing the game domestically and internationally. Love it, love it. The great Bobby Evans joined us right here on A's Cast Live. It is always great to see you. Great to be with you. Thanks a lot. Coming up next is some guy, some guy coming up next right here <laughs> on A's Cast Live. <laughs> 
It's almost that time again, A's fans. Spring training will be here before you know it, and the Oakland Athletics will be celebrating 10 years at Ho-Ho Cam Stadium. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, starting on February 24th, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Lawrence Butler, it's a fly ball to left field that's deep. Has a chance, opposite field, home run, Lawrence Butler. Grab your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho Cam Stadium. Don't wait. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest, just when he was walking up, it made me think of this guy. You're talking to the Rolex wearing diamond ring wearing Kiss stealing, <laughs> wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. I mean, I just dun, 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 I mean, it's like Ric Flair. When you come walking through, everybody parts. It's Mr. Ba- I mean, forget Tom Selleck, Mr. Baseball. In order to be the best, you have to beat the best, Downey. How are you? I'm great, man. It's great to see you. It's nice to see you in person. It's nice to not have a little fan going over my head while I talk to you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, yeah. like, if Ray could come over and, like, blow my hair around, then it would feel a little bit more like I'm doing this from home. You guys like your little bunker. Basically. But I'll tell you what, I got a great view. You know, that's what they set up where I do my radio show, too. And Is so, that where you do it? Because you got yeah, the, you got the great TV around you, too. Oh, all I the got games the TV behind, behind me. Yeah, but you like I, a sports book. I was thinking maybe you had a gambling <laughs> problem. With a gambling uh, problem, go one gambling solution. I don't do it. Um, but like, I stare out at the pool, and I've got Camelback and a palm tree in my yeah. view. So it's perfect. It's great. It's beauty of living in the Valley of the Sun. You know, you probably work these meetings like when they talk about Sean Casey being the mayor. Uh, I mean, clearly you're the mayor of the winter meeting. You're you're working the meetings. You're working people getting coffee, and you'll be there till like two a.m. tonight in the bar working people. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's working people. I mean, listen, I love people. And the winter meetings, like, we, we were having this discussion as a staff the other day. And if you were to tell me you can only do one of the Jewel events every year, and I've been fortunate I get to be part of spring training and all-star game and postseasons and all that Calling stuff. Calling WBC right? games, Calling Mr. WBC. WBC. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, I've gotten a chance to be, do some really special things. But if I could pick one, just one to do, it would be – the winter meetings. I love the winter meetings because I get to see everybody that I don't get to see during the course of the year. And so for four days or three days now, it's great conversations. It's a chance to have a warm embrace. I'm a little bit of a social butterfly, so like, I like bit. to be able to get around, talk to a bunch of different people. And the other part is that, you know, a lot of times, and this is like, I'm going to get deep in the weeds here. Like, I don't always text sources when I need information for me. I don't like to bother. But if I see them in person here, like, I get a chance to really catch up, keep those connections going, and to learn. And that's one of the things that I love about baseball is that um, there's so much to learn. Like, I, I was a like, right, right, B-team first baseman, don't go very far, right? Like, so I will spend the rest of my life trying to figure out everything I can about the game, knowing I will never know everything about it or how to really play it. But that's the beauty of this. Farron, Duquette, Power Alley. Normally on at well back home you're on at seven. We're on at seven here too. Pacific. Pacific, yeah. You're starting at nine like we yeah, are. Nine local time. Yeah. 
So I was like, we just sleep in a little bit. I How are you it. dealing with being like our direct competition right now? Do you feel like we're cutting into your audience? I was, I, I was a little angry. Like they said, you were going to be next to us, and I'm like, it's game on. I was like, who do you got? You got Farron or Duquette? Because it's going to be game. Like right now, we're in between the Cubs and the Cardinals right now. If we have right. to, we might have to solve a dispute here. Matt Pauley's tough from KMOX. Like he, I wouldn't want to get into yeah, fight he's, with Matt. He, yeah, yeah, he's got size over these. I don't know. The TV guys, you know, they're all too pretty. Oh wow, <laughs> the marquee guys are soft, huh? I'm just saying they're pretty. I just, I just knew if there was because Eduardo came over, I'm cool with him because he would have been before us. If we were next to each other, and he's a big dude, I got a better chance taking the Duke down. Here's here's what, what yeah, I think that that's who, like who, I understand that especially at your advanced age that you want to take on the older guy yeah, and force Cody yeah. to try and. Fight I think off you guys, you guys are kind of a good match. I think I think it'd be like sumo wrestling. <laughs> the I think the thing that you we we need to say is that if we had been next to each other, would it have been like I mean, in honor of the Cubs, right? The bleachers yelling right field sucks, left field sucks at each other. Like I think that's what it would have been happening. Is we would have just been. Shouting at each other, I a lot of finger pointing. It would have been a very, very baseball brawl, right? Like pointing at each other, not actually doing anything. I would have sabotaged your set. Yeah, you yeah, did I already. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Appreciate that. There would have been some stuff that would have mm-hmm. gone on. Actually, I went by the Duke today because, you know, it's tough. It's like I saw you this morning. I want to come up and give you a big hug, but you're talking to three people. So yeah, but like, they weren't important. You could have come I over. didn't know. See, I don't know. I don't know if it's your boss. I don't know if that's in depth or they're oh. just – MLB.com writers. I, I, don't, I don't know. It was actually an MLB.com writer and a PR person <laughs> for a team. So, yeah, that's exactly what it was. So, I was just like, hey, what's up, bro? So, it's like you just don't know. I saw the Duke this morning. I don't know if he even rem- – Duke, I have to think, might remember me. He does. May not. Who could forget you, The Tom? great Duke. Jim Duquette. I listened to you. I was, I, Eduardo was surprised. I'm like, oh, yeah, I listened to you guys on the way to play golf. He's my early, early tee times. Yes. Him and Steve Phillips. Yeah, he's the – if you're playing from the tips, you're getting those I guys. mean, it's early. I mean, I'm like – and he says he loves it. He says he loves a lot of things. No, I'm sure he does. Like, listen, he's – Eduardo's great because he's um, – you know, obviously his most prominent job is doing Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. But he's so connected to the game. And he's, I think he's a really important voice for baseball in that he is outstanding at sharing the personalities of Latin American players, which is something I think we are better at now than we were even five years ago as media. But it really helps when you have a native Spanish speaker to be able to do that because we want to be able to learn about these guys, right? We want to be able to connect with players on our favorite team. The other thing that Eduardo does that I think he thinks is important for players, and I don't dispute that, is he will challenge them to, listen, I know this is uncomfortable, but you need to do this interview in English. Because trying to learn to communicate, it's not easy learning a second language, right? Especially the older you get. Like, if you're 19 years old, it's a lot easier to learn than when you're 29 or 39. And for those guys who have been learning and working on it, the biggest issue that they have, I think, in, in doing interviews in English is confidence. If you've ever tried to learn another language and speak to a native speaker, confidence is an issue. I have a lot of family in Spain. They love to make fun of my Spanish because it's very halting, right? I'm always searching for the next word. Well, and think the way to do it is to get a comfortable. Ca- a camera's on you. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's oh, a and lot a of microphone. Yeah. It's like holding Absolutely. Brain. We saw with Frankie Montas. Frankie Montas, at one point, did not want to try – English, and then all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, your English is really... So it took a little time right. for us to build his confidence up to where all of a sudden he stopped the interpreter and he was 
and and now you wouldn't even know that well, he ever used one. And I think the other part is that Eduardo's able to then share stories with us that we wouldn't, that none of us would be able to get otherwise, because he's able to do those things. He's such a great connector. Yeah, he's and a terrific teammate. He's just what he's just such a wonderful guy. What are you expecting? We're here. We are. It's going to be all right. I, obviously, when you have. I'll throw it at you. I've been throwing it at everybody else. I try and go, listen, Shohei Otani's not – don't think of him like as a baseball player. Think of him as like Tom Cruise. You put Tom Cruise in the movie, you make a ton of money domestically, you make a ton of money internationally, he's a star. You put the star on the stage, you make yeah. a lot of money. So right now everybody's who's in on – they're not going to be making a lot of moves because they're waiting to see if they can get him – once he falls, what do you think is going to happen here? Because not a lot has happened so far. It's a good question. I think that there's actually two players that are holding up the market, and the other one is Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who is you know, he, three times in Japan, three consecutive years, he's won their version of the Cy Young Award, the, the Sawamura. He's just 25. You know, he pitched, if you, if you watched or listened to any of the WBC, you heard Yamamoto. It's pretty good stuff. Um, he moves the ball around well, but he's young, and that's going to get more teams involved than you normally would have because there's a better certainty about what he's going to be you're like. Buying the prime, next five years. Yeah, like you're buying Soda. prime, baby. It's like soda. You're buying right. prime. So it's going to be a big number for Yamamoto, and I think in spite of the fact that he has not pitched in the States, he is the arm that is controlling the market over like a two-time Cy Young Award winner in Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery, who obviously had a great postseason. So – I think that you're right in that Otani is holding it up, but I think Yamamoto is too. And here's here's like we'll use Otani as an example, right? So what are the five teams we've heard with Otani, right? The Giants, the Dodgers, the Angels, the Cubs, the Jays. All right. So let's say, and I don't think this is this is unlikely to happen. Let's say Otani goes to like the Giants, right, or the Dodgers. Well, the Cubs and the and the Jays desperately need left-handed hitters. And they need an impact player. Cubs need it for their TV network as much as they do for their lineup. Um, the Jays really are feeling a lot of pressure to, to compete and to take that next step forward. Back-to-back back rough outs in the postseason. Yes, yeah, and they haven't won a playoff. They're 0-6 in playoff games over the last four years. So all of a sudden, they can move on to the Juan Soto market, right, if that's the guy that they want to add, or to Cody Bellinger. And if they want to move on to Juan Soto, well, they're the you know people have been critical of the Padres' ask of the Yankees. Well, the Padres can ask that right now because there is no competition. That's the price for what it is right now. If you want to try and jump the market, they want to be able to see what those offers are going to be from other teams, and there might be better ones. And that might be more that that leverage may help to push the Yankees deeper into giving up players that they don't want. So that's part of the reason why it's at a stalemate. And I think it fits the same way with the trade market for starting pitching. So not only does Yamamoto tie up the starters um, that are on the free agent market, but like the White Sox need to wait to see what, what most likely need to wait to see where Yamamoto goes before they trade Dylan Cease. Because Cease has two years of control. The Dodgers are a team that are heavily involved. Now, it's not to say that the Dodgers couldn't do Otani and Yamamoto and Cease, but it's very unlikely that that wow. would happen, right? So, <laughs> so like, you have to try and play that out as long as you can, and those biggest dominoes to fall tend to, help, to, to cause that. 
Otani is just finishing up meetings with teams. It seems unlikely he's going to sign here at the winter meetings. Yamamoto isn't even really doing his big meetings until next week. So I think more of the activity is going to push be pushed closer to Christmas. Now, that said, there are probably some mid-tier free agents. The DH market could move here. Relievers always do. I think you could see more trades like you saw last night um, with the, the Braves and the Mariners. You could see trades with, like, Minnesota has, um, you know, like three players I think that are of interest to people, Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, Christian Vasquez. You could see them moving that because they, those moves are largely independent of the markets for the biggest players. We need something. We'll get something. Or we're going to see you tomorrow. What time you come back tomorrow? And we'll what time talk about the winter tomorrow? meetings again and how much you love the winter meetings. I mean, I'm still going to love the winter meetings whether there's action <laughs> or not. But, yeah, it's, I think we're in a holding pattern. Yeah. It's well, unfortunate. Well, it's going to be – It's gonna. you know, it's going to be – it's going to be one of those where, for like the A's, we try and tell this is about laying the foundation for some. Like right yeah. now, we're going to see David Force. We're going to talk to him on Wednesday. We got Kotze tomorrow. This is laying the ground for deals that are going to be done well after the winter. Well, I think I think for the A's too, they're not like there's not a guy that you look at that they're going to move that's like a big impact, right? Like if they moved. What, they can they're not ground. moving. They're going to be signed. There's actually the thing is you need to sign. They, they need to well, sign need somebody to, sign to get some, some innings. Agents, right? Yeah, so, they need so some innings. You're either looking at somebody that's a bounce back or you're looking at somebody that's in that fourth tier of the starters, right? And we, yeah. I talked to both those guys today. And so you're looking for that. You probably need another veteran position player to go in the mix. But they're going to be on lower level deals. High incentive probably for the pitcher. I don't think you're going to see them sign somebody necessarily at the Kenta level or at no. the Kyle Gibson level, right? It's going to be a little bit below that. Um, and so they're going to play in that next tier of the market. But they're also going to have better, I think, production and more excitement for some of the young players that are coming. You know, And I think you're going to see some opportunities for guys um, that you know, you're hoping to be able to put some role players around like they had last year, a little bit with you know Tony Kemp and Jace Peterson and and Aledmus Diaz that can try and help alleviate some of the the pressure on those young guys. But it's going to be like it's going to be mild moves that are more with the idea of not blocking the young guys to be able to contribute not just this year but in the near future. Derek Shelton, yes, he's next. Warren High School. I went to Lake Forest. Wait, do we have a rival, rival high school yeah, going he's here? Yeah, this is the third time we've talked about it today, so he's going to be uh, he's over discussing it. it. Yeah, Warren used Please to. Please tell me your high school is better than his high school. Yeah. Now, I mean, you played the good Lake Forest teams that had Alan Bennis, though. Alan Bennis, Mike Stamison, who was Mike Hardenstein's stepson, Danny Esplin. Danny Esplin was a dude. Danny Esplin went to college at Southern. Yeah, Danny Esplin, great high school player. So. <laughs> oh look Kylie McDaniel brought his hair Kylie I noticed you're standing by yourself again no one will talk to you huh hey we'll talk to him hey we love him are you kidding me I'm so glad that somebody does no one loves you more than me though. I know. happy holidays hey can I buy you can I buy you drinks later sure what do you think about that um, will you accept as long that? as I don't have to reach into my pocket everything's will you good. accept that yes I will I'll hang out with you if you buy me. I, you know what? That, 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 well, with Cody too. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. He can buy me. So he can, well. come, he can buy drinks too. <laughs> uh, you're the best. You know our you your show is our favorite show, and I and we talk about you, and I do mean it. 
I, I will butter up everybody that we have on, but you are my favorite no, show. You. Yeah, I know you, you guys have the, the best. Boys. I brought money bags. Only my wife's here, so she'll just buy the drinks. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's perfect. Here's to marrying up. <laughs> and then I have to buy her drinks. It's funny how it works. He never pay, he never pays. Everybody else does. Yeah. Actually, you guys are kind of peas in a pod. Yeah. We, we you're are on scholarship of. more often than I am, I think. <laughs> All right. Good, Good to, to see you. Guys. Us. Take care. Let's get the uh, – we're not going to break, right? No break. Derek Sheldon. So they went to rival high schools. I got – I mean, I'm right out of the gate. I don't want to bring up the high – but I just – please tell me that when I see when I see him, I'm thinking – there's no way they competed against you. I, I don't know if any if anybody could sweat as much in their ears like <laughs> as Farron does. Like do a, I need to get a towel God, for you? I mean, do, do we have like another headset? I mean, here you can take. No, one. no, no. I'm teasing. Oh, I'm, teasing. I'm uh, saying, well, I, but I know. I mean, yeah. I mean, no. Yeah, my high school dominates his high school, so I don't know. He, I, there's a superiority complex that he has probably about it. So, but I'm just happy, you know, guys from the northern suburbs of Chicago are representing. You know, last time we talked to you when the A's were taking on the Pirates, things were going really good. And it just it, it really shows what we talked about last time we did this was in San Diego about building culture, about building change. And you saw that. You started to see it. Talk about your guys' year with the Pirates to where it was going really good. Didn't it ended up you guys played real well down the stretch also. I mean, obviously things happen in a baseball season, but you can see the ship is going in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and you know, I, we talked about it, when, and I think Kotz is doing a good job of it uh, in, in Oakland. It, it's a challenge. I mean, you have to build a culture. You have to continue to stay positive and, you know, look for the light at the end of the tunnel. And that all starts with how you communicate and what you do. And, and we're starting to see the fruit that we started. We saw it last year with, with being 14 games better. And I think we're seeing it continue to move on. You know, so much in baseball right now we talk about is, is getting innings. You know, one thing I know the A's that we're going to be looking at, you know, so many people want to focus. You know, we have so many people focus on data. We have so many people focusing on bats. And the one thing that I've been looking at is how many people need pitching. So as a manager, when you think about that at the winter meetings, you need innings. You can't rely on bullpenning. You can't rely on bullpens. You need guys to give you innings during the year. How much are you able to talk about that with the front office and, and kind of your needs when you come to the meetings? Yeah, I, I'm very fortunate that, that Ben allows me to have a, a voice in that with our group. And, and you're right. we do. Everyone needs innings, and you have to find it. And in, in starting pitching innings are expensive. You know, they, yeah. they just are in, in today's market. But you need guys that can soak them up. You need guys that can then go out and get you outs. And it's probably the biggest thing that, uh, you know, everybody's talking about while we're here. Yeah. Uh, I, I had it down. Uh, 20 of the 30 teams have all pretty much said that they're looking for more pitching. 20 of the 30. Like, we can all sit here, Taco Tani and Soto and, and Yamamoto and everything, but – Almost more than half the teams are, are looking to get better on the mound. Yeah, I'd like to know who the ten teams are that aren't. Looking <laughs> for yeah, who's got that? I mean, who has the surplus? Because yeah. we need to call them and make sure we can get to it. But yeah, it's uh, it's something that I think is really consistent amongst the game. Is you need to you need to big as uh, a, as big a stable of pitching as possible. So when you think about going into this year. What do you think about this upcoming season, 2024, for the Pirates? I, well, I think, number one, we need more pitching. 
Uh, I think our young position player group has taken a step forward. It's going to be nice to get O'Neal Cruz back. Uh, you know, on the field, we lost him seven games in, five games in last year. So to get him back on the field is going to be important for us. But it's important for us to add pitching, uh, you know, not specifically while we're in Nashville, but before we get to spring training. Yeah, you have a lot of athleticism. Yeah, we do. We're an athletic group. Uh, I think the new style of play is important for us and, and helps us. So it's something that, that, you know, we need to make sure that we just continue to build off. And the fact that our guys were able to get that many at-bats last year was really important to did us. Did you really talk about the new rules and taking advantage of the new rules? I know we did. Yeah, we talked about them a lot, and I think we probably did as good a job as anybody. You know, you, t- you talked about our start. We manipulated them as well as anybody in the first month, uh, you know, and then – People started to, you know, realize what we were doing, and I think it all came back down to scale. When you think about when you started and where you are now, what do you think you really learned as a manager and really a leader of men? Be patient. I think that's the biggest thing. You you learn to be patient with players uh, in terms of what they have going on, and then I think just the the whole leading thing is. And any manager that goes through this for the first time will tell you is like there is so much that gets thrown at you. It's not just the baseball game. It's seven o'clock when the game starts. That's the best three hours of your day. Everything else uh, gets thrown on you, whether it's front office, whether it's strength and conditioning, whether it's medical, whether it's players, whether it's staff. There's so many other factors that go into the day that that's where you have to really just prioritize. You know what you're doing and how you're doing it. I don't think fans really realize that. One of the big roles as a man, because we think manager, players, set the lineup. It's really a game of managing up and managing down. Managing down is to the players, as you mentioned, training staff and everybody. Managing up is front office, ownership. There's a whole different game when you talk about when you're manager, when you're the manager and you're the leader, you're the face of the franchise. There's all kinds of levels that you have to deal with. And as you said, it's just not the three, well, hopefully under three hours, yeah. but it's just not the three hours of the game. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. You're, you are doing both of that. And you're, you're managing relationships. You're managing uh, other people's relationships, you know, how they interact. It, it, that is the biggest challenge in the game today is you're the, just the overall managing of people. You have young pitching. You've had – it's coming. Like, what are the expectations for the young kids? Yeah, the, the young pitching is coming, and, and I think that's the biggest thing. We have to temper our excitement on the fact we do have a bunch of young arms. We have to make sure they're ready to pitch in the big leagues. You know, pitching in the big leagues isn't just being a prospect and being a really good player. You have to go through the trials and tribulations of a minor league season and what goes on in the ups and downs to be able because it's very rare that you see a guy come to the big leagues and have, you know, sustained success right away. So I think the making sure that when we do bring guys, it's the right time and, and not just because we rushed them. And you know because of Cody being the biggest Pirates, like your biggest fan is is here with the A's. I know, I love that. We're constantly, we're, we're updated on the Pirates on a daily basis on what's going on with you guys. I love that so much. I mean, Raise the, the Jolly Roger. It's, it's the reason I'm on the, <laughs> the A's podcast is because of Cody. I mean, I saw I saw Greg and Matt Caps earlier. I saw there's a whole Pirates contingent here. Yeah, yeah. I, I never we're thought rep- I would. We're representing strong. I'm, I'm glad to see it. I'm glad. But I wanted to ask real quick. I, yeah, go ahead. Andrew McCutcheon, what did his leadership and bringing oh, him back cut. mean to the clubhouse? It was, it was vital to to us I mean we have a young club but I think there's two points with Kutch number one he wanted to come back and all of our young players when they think of the Pirates probably you know guys like you they think of Andrew McCutcheon so having him in our clubhouse you know was really important 
And then the last thing is, like, Kutch plays the game like he was like he's still 25. He runs every ground ball out. He plays hard. He shows up every day. When you have a player that institutionally is looked upon not only by the organization but the city that acts like that, it, it resonates with your young group. The buy-in. 100%. Got to have buy-in. When the, when, when the former – I mean, he's still a star. I mean, he's Andrew McCutcheon, for God's sakes. So he's going to get Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's getting the Hall of Fame, but he'll get Hall of Fame votes. Right. When, the, when he, there's buy-in there, we always talked about with Marcus Simeon. If Marcus Simeon's out there busting his ass and he's out there early every single day, Marcus Simeon played every single game – Took ground balls. I mean, if Marcus Simeon's out there, you bet everybody else is going to be out yeah, there. Yeah, and we're really fortunate. We have Kutch like that. Brian Reynolds is like that. Yeah. You know? So when you have your best players that do that, that messaging is a whole heck of or it's a whole heck of a lot easier with any young kid that comes up and doesn't want to go. And that contract being done, how much was that just like, oh, thank God. Yeah, I mean, it was something I think we all wanted to get done. Sometimes the business side gets involved and it you know, causes conversation. But the fact that you know both sides got to the resolution they liked, we're in a much better spot. You know we're big fans. Thank you, Thank guys you for, for stopping by. We Sorry. always appreciate it. Yeah, and I promise I didn't sweat as much as Farron, too. You know what? You look way better, and I, I'm going to go with your, your guys' side. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? We'll want to reach out to you in spring training see how things are going because I think you guys, this will be a year you're really going to sneak up in the NL Central. I appreciate it. Well, I look forward to talking to you. All right, buddy. Be well. All right. Thanks, guys. As the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Cody, you got to be fired up representing the Bucks. There's a lot of youngsters coming up through the system in Pittsburgh. And you're so getting your big boy and, back, too. Yeah. So hopefully uh, – Add some guys in free agency, and we'll see what what the year brings. God, where where what? we got Wash coming, so we should probably take a break. We're supposed to have Wash. Yeah, because because I keep you, you, my computer does not switch the time over. My computer says one. I uh, no, yeah, I, I left the time set up like for us here. So three forty. It's three forty five right now. Yeah. So or, okay. Th- sorry, three fifty five. And we're still on this camera. Yeah. Well, no, I got to switch it back, but I thought we were gonna go to break. That's why. This has been this has been a awesome two hours, and that's why you know one of the things that we have established here with, with A's Cast is the fact that we do multiple shows a day. That allows us to give you the best guest from the winter meetings. Carlos Pena, former A, now on MLB Network. I just chatted with him during the last commercial break. We're going to have him on. I mean, the fact that we basically say we're going to be on all day long, that's what we're going to do. We'll be on in the morning. We'll be on in the afternoon. And that way we can deliver all the top guests from the winter meetings like we did in San Diego last year and then a couple of years before that, obviously COVID changed it for two years. But I was just saying, Cody, there's a reason why we do two shows a day. We know not everybody's going to listen live. A lot of people are going to go back and rewatch this stuff. But the reason why we're able to have everybody and have all these big-time guests is because we're on all day long. So yep. we're flexible. you got to be flexible. If you want to get all these people, you've got to be flexible. Well, I was just talking to – Kylie McDan, when are we having him on? Uh, Patience. All right. The Twins PR manager just came up to me and said he's going to try to get us Rocco because he knows I emailed him about having Rocco Baldelli on. Okay. Rocco's speaking at four, so he's going to try to get him on with us maybe after. But So, hopefully, we're going to we're supposed to have Wash here in, what is it, like eight minutes or so. So, Okay, Ron Washington. How about that, folks? Probably the number one story, I think, for people who love the A's. Oh, Star's here. The number one story of the offseason season. Ron Washington being named manager of the Angels. It's a great story. 
Can't wait to talk to him. At 71 years old. Hopefully he can – no, not hope – well, see, it's hard because he's managing the Angels. You don't want to see – No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You want to see, see Wash too well. It doesn't matter. I mean, the fact that Wash is getting this opportunity, it, it – it, if it's the rally monkey, it's the rally monkey. <laughs> I wish it wasn't the rally monkey, but it is the rally monkey. Yeah. Ron Washington's going to join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, I can tell you, for A's fans, the best story of the offseason is this man being manager again. Even if it's the Angels, (laughs) we are so – Ron Washington with us here once again on A's Cast Live. You know – I mean, everybody knows what, what, what Oakland means to you. The fan base has loved you as much as any coach they've ever had. Uh, what you've meant to all of us in our careers, and to get this opportunity again, I, we're all just we're thrilled. We're absolutely thrilled for you. Well, I'm excited. Um, I've always wanted this opportunity again to lead again because I know I'm I'm able. And um, you know what they say: God gives you what you need when you need it, not when you want it. Um, it's been about eight or nine years since I last was in the manager seat. And I guess that's what the time it took to get back. And I'm ready for it again. You never stopped. No, I never stopped. You never stopped. After Texas, you never stopped. The work never stopped. And as you said, uh, the Lord brings it to you when you need it. You never stopped. And you got it again. And it's because nothing was going to deter you from it. And you always said it was. there was nothing that was going to stop you from getting this again. Well, it's about making a difference. Uh, it's about teaching, which the game um, certainly need more than any time it ever needed it because uh, the, the baseball players now are young. And, um, you know, you have to teach. You, you usually do that in the minor leagues, but now you got to do it at the, at the major league. And uh, I've always been a teacher, and, um, and I'm ready for this opportunity and the challenge. Yeah, a leader of men. There's no question about that. <laughs> and that has to excite you that – yeah, it's going to be it, – it'll be interesting. I mean, a lot right now is happening, obviously, with this offseason mm-hmm. with Otani. A lot of talk about Otani. Um, but then after that, whether he stays or whether he goes, it, it's a new start. So just kind of talk about what you know about the team right now and what you're going to have with or without Shohei Otani. Well, what I know about the team is we have some talent. Um, we have quite a few young pitchers that have to continue to grow. Uh, we've got a, quite a few young players that have to continue to grow. So what, that, what mode do that put you in? It puts you in a teaching mode. Um, I put a, a, a staff together that love to teach the same way I love to teach. And um, we just can't wait to get to spring training and um, start teaching baseball. Um, I'm not taking anything away from what the guys know, but there is a lot under the title of baseball that uh, I want them to gather and be able to hold on to uh, for the rest of their lives. Um, that's what we're doing. Uh, we're teaching baseball so it can stick with you for the rest of your life. 
And then we, we hit the field and we start putting things together um, the way you have to put things together to sustain. Um, and that's what the game of baseball about is consistency and sustainability. And that's what our vision is, to get out there and get consistent and sustain. And I do feel like we got the players to do that. You know, and, and through the process before the season start, we're going to add some players um, and then see where it goes from there. But uh, I'm very happy and very excited about what I see in this organization. It's just a matter of them growing and learning and being consistent. You know, Derek Shelton, the manager of the Pirates, was just here. and We were talking about Andrew McCutcheon and how Andrew McCutcheon at his age as a veteran brought it every single day. It meant so much. And then I started talking about, you know, w with Marcus Simeon and what Marcus Simeon meant when Marcus Simeon is out there playing every day, out there before everybody else, working hard. It makes everybody in that clubhouse, hey, stop playing cards, stop playing video games. If Marcus Simeon's down there taking ground balls and getting ready with you, you guys better be doing the same. That kind of approach to a team, what does it mean when you can get some buy-in from the top players and, hey, let's stop sitting here messing around, let's go out and work because you can't cheat your way to success. No, you can't. you got to work at it. That's why I say we, we want leaders. Uh, I want 26 leaders if, if that's what the roster is going to be. And the other, 40, the other 14 that's down in the minor leagues, uh, they have to be available too because you win with the total. You don't just win with what you start with. And the leadership part start with me and my coaching staff and then Mike and Rondon and, and, and it just keeps filtering down. Um, so you have accountability throughout the, the whole organization, and that's where we're trying to get. So, um, I mean, we're looking forward to that. Um, and we're ready for every challenge. We're not going to back down at all. We will come and bring our game every single day. What was that first conversation like with Mike Trout? It was – he was overjoyed. Yeah? I mean, he was very thrilled. I mean, he's played against you for years. Yes, and, um, you know, he's excited uh, that uh, – you know, we, we have an opportunity now to start anew because what's happened in the past, um, we can't concern ourselves with. We just got to learn from it. And if you go past what happened the past few years in, in Anaheim, Anaheim was the standard. So we're going to look when there was the standard. We're not going to look when things wasn't at their best. We can't make excuses because we got a chance to change it. And that's where we're going to be. We're going to change it. So, and that's where Mike is. And we just got to keep him in that mode right there. And if we can keep him in that mode, he will get followers. And when he gets followers, we get stronger. No doubt. And when you so. talk about learning from the past, from the time that you were the manager of the Texas Rangers, there had to be like, if I get this job again, I will do something. I will do, whether it's change this, enhance this, whatever. Have you thought about that for that conversation you probably had with yourself now that you've got that job again? Do you remember what you said to yourself? You would change or enhance or something that you would do if you got this opportunity again. Well, when you talk about the game of baseball, it's consistently about adjusting and readjusting. I'll adjust as I go along. Um, I know what I expect out of the game of baseball, and we can prepare ourselves to do that. But as far as my trying to make up something that we're going to do, First of all, we're going to make sure that we have a foundation. That's the fundamentals. We're going to make sure our work ethic reached the level it should to sustain. And then as things happen, we adjust and readjust. That's baseball. 
So I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm going to invent something that's going to make things different than what the game asks you to do. We're going to be ready to do whatever the game asks us to do. And that's the only thing I got on my mind, us being ready to do what the game asks us to do when we go between those lines. And we'll adjust and readjust as we go along. Pick up the ball, throw the ball, don't make mistakes, run the bases. That's right. You know, play side. And that's one Simplicity. Thing. You know what I want to say? I want to see some running. I want Because we've talked about it in the past. Yeah. It was one of the things that with your Atlanta teams, when you're with Atlanta, is like you guys had the ability to do everything. It just wasn't one thing. It just wasn't home runs. And, no. I mean, Acuna, I mean, you guys could run it. You could run people out the building. That's what I, I, I'm expecting to see. I'm expecting to see it all, the entire playbook. That's right. Baseball and everything underneath it, and we're not going to pick and choose. We're going to be ready to do everything that baseball require that you have to do on a daily basis to be successful. And that's how you be successful, being able to answer baseball when it throws something at you between those lines. And we're going to be definitely prepared for that. What was it like when you started getting all the phone calls from people that you've been in this business with for a long, long time? I'm sure there were some A's people who threw some text. And so I know we did, but I think about people that you've been in uniform with, people that you've known for a long time that care a lot about you. What was that like when you started seeing the phone and those phone calls and those texts? Well, it was love. Um, Inside the clubhouse, we talk about love all the time. And I'm not talking about smooching. Yeah. But I'm talking about caring about each other, helping each other along the way, um, feeling the, the, the bad feelings that maybe one of your teammates might have, taking on some of the pressure and allow him to catch his breath. Those are the type of things I felt when I saw all the texts I got. Total love. No negativity. You know, no matter what you go through in life, there will be some negativity. But it was all positive. It was all pats on the back for the opportunity that I have to lead again because I think all the people that text me and all the people that call me knew that I wanted to manage again. Yeah. And the – Los Angeles Angels gave me that opportunity, and I'm so excited about it. And I just can't wait to lead again along with my staff and the players and everyone that's involved with the Los Angeles Angels, the fans that come in the stands, the ticket takers, the popcorn sellers. I mean, everybody. Yeah. Because uh, that's power and strength. I, 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 I'm I, so looking forward to it, to seeing you in Oakland and to seeing you manage again, and we're so happy for you. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time because I know it's late here on day one of the winter meetings, and you made it special. This is a special thing. He didn't have to do this. He made it a special thing to come over and talk to you. The A's fans, because how much? I mean, think about all the years you did A's radio. The radio shows with Robert Bwan. Yeah. You think about all the time that you've been on Ken Korak, everybody that's still there, everything that you've given to us all those years. I remember doing pregame interviews with you years ago when I was on KMBR on the Giant Station. I mean, you go way <laughs> back with all of us. I think that's why I think there's a lot of love coming from the Bay Area because you touched all of us, and we know what kind of baseball, we know what kind of man you are and what kind of baseball guy you are, and and I can't wait to see what you do because I know you're going to put everything you got into it. Well, you know, I'm only one entity in it, but we need everybody uh, to be involved. And the more people that can be involved and the more people that believe and the more people that do the work to make that belief a reality, then the Los Angeles Angels baseball team will be the reality that we all want, an entity that comes to the ballpark and bring joy 
bring satisfaction, bring fun uh, to uh, the fans in the area, in the community. And guess what? We're going to be playing good baseball. And that's the bottom line is that we play good baseball. You could get this thing going tomorrow, huh? I could have got it going an hour ago. <laughs> get a field going. Let's let's rock this let's thing. Let's rock this thing. That's right. All right, buddy. Hey, have great holidays. Merry Christmas. And next time we talk to you, we'll be at spring training. That's right. You have a great holiday, and Merry Christmas to everyone out there and their families. The Great Wash right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, great talking to Wash and catching up, and obviously that was something super special to have him on. Can't wait till to see just you know what they're going to do because they cleared a lot of space, right? So, you know, obviously the Angels are still in play for Shohei Otani, and right now the Japanese media is, but you know, after Wash got done with us, he's now talking to the Japanese media, and the Angels are still in play. They still are. We've said it from day one. Like, everybody everybody said he's going to L.A. And in the end, that could be true. But there is something to be said with, you know, love the one you're with. Yeah. And the fact that he has been there, he's coming off an injury, he's very comfortable there. Who told us earlier today that he bought a place in, in Hawaii? Ugh. We've had so many guests now, I can't remember who told us that. Yeah. Um. Uh... Was it Matty V? He would know more than anyone. Might have been Vaskersian who told us that Otani's bought a place in Maui, not in Maui, but somewhere, could be in Maui, but it's somewhere in Hawaii because obviously halfway point to Japan. And could that be, you know, staying on the West Coast, home now full-time will be Hawaii, uh, can go back to see the family, whatever, you'll have enough money to fly anybody you want anywhere. I mean, he's got so much money now that he's made anyway. But, you know, is he going to stay? And, 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 and when you think about the business of Otani, we see it right now. Look at all these men who are covering, men and women, who, who are from the Japanese media. Their lives change. Think about it. They change. Like, so if all of a sudden Shohei Otani, let's just say, goes to Chicago, our buddies here at Marquee Sports, they're all now moving to Chicago. I mean, he, Shohei Otani's like a rock band. It's Plus, like all of a sudden, like where he goes, they all go. Plus, there's already going to be a large contingent of Japanese media in Chicago because of Seiya Suzuki already, too. So um, we're just adding it on if, if we're able to, if they were able to get Shohei Otani to go to the, um, not the not the south side, but the west side, uh, east side, uh, the, north, every, northeast, northwest. Every side that's not the uh, yeah the, the south side. So what's amazing is that all the AL West guys we got. Evan Grant, who covers the Rangers. We got everybody hanging around. Uh, Shep is here. He used to cover the A's, now covers the Angels. So it's like we've got a we got like an AL West party going here. And also, and we're right in the center of it. And it's all around mm-hmm. Ron Washington, who's touched everybody, right? And who's we're, we're efforting Rocco Baldelli right now. We'd be quick. We'll be quick. So we might be getting Rocco Baldelli, manager of the Minnesota Twins, um, who there's a lot of questions, not a lot, a whole lot of adding, but a lot of questions. Obviously, with Sonny Gray leaving, yeah, people think that Max Kepler could be on the move. Um, you know, you got Correa, Dallas Maeda, 
Kenta Maeda went to Detroit. I don't know that was a two year deal. Yeah. So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna need to, and they're not a young team. Is it, is Wash gonna go talk to the media now? Yeah, this thing was at at four four twenty. Oh, okay. So we we stumped the rest of the media. Yeah, we got them first. That's why they're all walking around. We got at them us. first. That's right. We got Wash first. You suckers. <laughs> That's not very nice, is yeah, it? Oh well, well, it's uh, this is actually this is interesting. It's, this is oh. a huge powwow for for. For all the managers today, I mean, this is even bigger than Aaron Boone's. I mean, for all the managers today, there is a massive, massive group here to see Ron Washington. I, and you know what? A's fans, you know. I mean, this guy's salt to the earth. What he has meant to the to our organization, what he's meant to so so many in baseball, it's such a cool deal. So did Rocco just have twins? Yes, he did. Like uh, it was during the season, I want to say. Oh, right. he's hand. I've had no, like September-ish, like not like recently. So there you go. There's an in. He was talking about on. Uh, Do you want to talk about my twins who just turned eighteen? But hey, I'm a I'm a father of twins. So <laughs> there's your there's your in. <laughs> tw- twin twins follower twins manager of the twins. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's they, well. They, I mean, I I tell you, first question, just how happy is he for a guy like Ron Washington? 71 years it's Wash is 70, 71, right? Check yeah, that. I believe he's 71. 71 years old. I mean, here we were. 71. We, we were an industry that wanted nothing to do with older people. We were trying to run every general manager, every manager. We were trying to run everybody out of the game. Where Saves at now? Saves, I believe, is back with the Yankees. Oh, that's right. Okay. I, I saw, I Sabies, I I saw Sabies saves in the bar last night. Um, that's between him and Evans. That's a lot of World Series rings you've seen. That's yeah. That's th- <laughs> that's six World Series <laughs> rings. But I'm just telling you that you tried to run all these older guys out of the game. You tried to run the older managers out of the game. You tried to run the older front office guys out of the game. And what have we seen? Eh, maybe not a good idea. And now we're bringing these guys back in, and to see just. To see when you're looking at Dusty Bay. I mean, the last two World Series managers are two guys that have been run out of the game. Yeah, essentially, And brought yes. back. I mean, if you really think about that, when you think of Dusty Baker and you think of Bruce Pochi, they were two guys that people didn't The only reason Dusty Baker got his job was because of the cheating scandal. If there wasn't the cheating scandal, Dusty Baker's not brought back. And then if Dusty Baker's not brought back and the success that they have with Dusty Baker, who knows about Bruce Pochi? Yeah, but true. obviously the rank Chris Young, obviously a ton of respect for Bruce Bochy, played for Bruce Bochy in San Diego, but still Chris Young, here you are, you have your opportunity to go find a manager, a manager that you, it's your guy, you can mold. You're not molding Bruce Bochy. He brought Bochy in to win, and it worked. Yeah, and you're one. And now you have, what do the Angels do? Perry Manassian. I mean, how many more managers do you think Perry Manassian, the GM of the Angels, is going to get? Uh, I would say not many. Oh, I don't know. It's hard to say now with A.J. Preller having how many? Seven? I mean, Phil Nevin, Ron Washington, the difference between these two, it's unbelievable. It's literally unbelievable. Oh. The difference in personalities. So, and then Rocco Baldelli, you have the Minnesota Twins. Carlos Correa's back. Byron Buxton, keeping him healthy, will continue to be an issue. Uh, you're going to have to replace Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda. You got Mr. Grand Slam, Royce Lewis. I mean, all he does is hit Grand Slams. Yeah. 
Max Kepler supposedly is going to be. So it'll be interesting to see for, for Rocco. Uh, expectations. What, what are the expectations right now going forward? How do you add? What do you look to add? How do you add? Remember, their big move last offseason, besides Correa, was the uh, Pablo Lopez for uh, Luis Arise trade. And Lopez was a was awesome Very for good. them. Yeah, yeah. He was really good for him. Then they extended him, so they have him. But the rest of their staff is what we're trying to – going to try to figure out. Well, they're going to have to try to figure well, out. Well, and they're another one that, you know, one thing that has nothing to do with Rocco, but they're another team that has lost their Bally's, their RSN. Yeah. They lost their RSN money. I mean, that is something that – when does the commissioner talk? That's something we're going to need to get into tomorrow because already we've heard from Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times the cable deal, which is actually owned by the Mariners, yeah. is a major problem. The team that owns the cable, it, it, it's a major problem. Right? So, Rocco's now joining us here. We'll get him in here real quick as we appreciate the time whenever we can get uh, the managers on. We've had a great Ron. Derek Shelton uh, was just with us. Ron Washington. Rocco, we appreciate the time. And first off, uh, just your your thoughts on the guy that precedes you there. We just had him on. Ron Washington means so much. to the. He was a longtime coach for the A's. And, at 71 years old, to get that shot again, he comes in after you. Know, I know you got to talk to him. Just for you, a guy that's been in the seat now, to know what he's been through and to get that shot again, how happy are you for yeah, him? Yeah, and I'm not alone. So I, I, I couldn't be happier for Ron uh, because you see how much he loves the game. You've seen all the success he's had. Everyone's, everyone's seen that for many, many years as a, as a manager and as a coach and as a mentor and the way that people feel about him. So when you, when you see a guy that has done this so well, both the on-field stuff and the way he treats people for so, so long, you want people like that back in the seat and you want people like that on the top step. And, and that's where he's at. It's where he belongs. You know, learned so much from Wash all those years. Of course, Bob Melvin, uh, doing the Bob Melvin show, you know, and, and for yourself, you know, we, we focus so much on data and analytics and numbers. But when you're sitting in the seat that you're sitting in, it's about the communication business and the business about your players and your relationship with the players. Just talk about what you've learned over the years because you remember what you were like as a player, but then you think as a manager and now dealing with the 26 guys plus all the guys coming up on the 40-man, that's a relationships business. Yeah, that's what our game is. And uh, young, younger managers like myself um, that are coming into a job for the first time, you may have an idea of what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. You have no idea how you're going to do it. So that, that, that's what you're actually lear- – that's what you're trying to figure out from yeah. day one. And you're taking advice and you're listening to people and you're trying to absorb all that. And then, you know, how do you actually do it? How do you actually show up uh, every day? How does that first off season go? You know, there's, there's so much I could probably dive into, but it's really – you know, how do you do it? And you know how you do it? A little bit at a time. That's how you do it. You do it by talking to one person and then talking to someone else and talking to someone else and getting your guys going and everybody on the same page and then letting them take the field and play. Once they take the field, then they just do what comes naturally. Uh, your, your job is to really kind of oversee um, and make sure that everything else looks right before you send them out there to go play well. Well, you've had great success with Minnesota. We appreciate the time. Uh, hopefully you guys do some ad in here coming up here. And good luck. Have, have great holidays. And hopefully we'll talk to you next season when you're in Oakland. That's a plan. I'll, I'll be here and uh, appreciate it very, very much.
Rocco Baldelli, the manager of the Minnesota Twins, trying to get him back in the playoffs again. And the Twins, always competitive, always tough, and take care. And it's just going to be dealing with a lot of what a lot of these teams are, and something we'll get more in tomorrow, is the RSN problem in baseball. The Minnesota Twins... They can't count on that money. The San Diego Padres can't count on that money. The Arizona Diamondbacks, the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to a subscription model. Like yeah. this whole thing is changing in front of our eyes, which we told you about here on A's Cast Live and A's Cast. We've talked about it for years. That's why we created what we created. That's why we're getting all these guests. That's why we get these people is because everybody in baseball knows this is the model. This is where it's going. And it's ha- it's been happening right in front of our eyes. And still... We have till the end of December before Bally's actually tells us which teams are in and which teams are out this season. So baseball, starting the new year, it could be early January, baseball is going to have to figure out how certain teams are going to get on the air and it's not going to be on cable. How about, I mean, that's wild. Yeah. To have that, just that because of bankruptcy, bankruptcy court, by the end of the year, Diamond Sports, who owns Bally's, has to tell baseball which teams are in and which teams are out, right? Yes, I'm, I'm looking to see when Manfred's going to speak at the uh... – And Rob Manfred told us last year that baseball has to start understanding it can't rely on the RSNs anymore. Yeah, I'm looking to see – And if... he'll talk a lot about this year because he's, like, he's, got, he's got a problem with like 16. Um, I don't know if it's going to say – if this article is going to have when he speaks, but we'll, we'll monitor when he's going to – All right, tomorrow, what do we got Tomorrow. We're supposed to have – let me pull it up. I have it here. Hold on. Uh, we're supposed to have Nightingale to start the show. Eno. Bob uh, Nightingale uh, from the USA Today. I, I was saying, I've, I've been talking to Bob Nightingale for almost 30 years. I mean, it's going back to the 90s that I've been having Bob Nightingale and all the different stations on the shows. I love Bob Nightingale. He's been a, he's been a good friend of the program, even though the program's been a lot of different places. Uh, so, so Nightingale, we're supposed to have Eno Saris, the okay. great Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart. And that's just in the morning so far. I'm still waiting here on others. So we're supposed to hear from about uh, Dan O'Dowd and BK. Brian Kenny. Afternoon, we have Melvin. Bob Melvin's going to join us, skipper of the Giants. Stephen Vogt. Stephen Vogt. I mean, the guest list is second to none. Mark Kotze. Anthony Castro of InstaMobile.com. And I'm efforting, hopefully, we're going to try to get Dave Roberts tomorrow. Perfect. And Chad Pender. I, I saw him. Carlos Pena is going to join us. Uh, Chad Pender's going to join us. These are all, this is why you stick around. Ace Cast Live, we're going to have everything covered from the winter meetings. It's been a long first day, but it's been a great first day. It's been an absolute great first day. You did a wonderful job, Cody. Hey, you, you're we, the one did everything. We go in here and we have, we, we don't have, we, it's, we have some setup, but a lot of it is going to happen as we get here and it's starting to unfold and the biggest names in the game We'll continue to be here on A's Cast Live. Well, that'll do it for day one. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Pacific. Correct, yes. 7 a.m. Pacific. 9 Central. So, you know what? (laughs) Don't stay in the bar all night long hanging out with Mike Farron. I can tonight because Ray and I got here at 7.30. Get into the gym, get a good workout, get a good night's sleep, and be ready to go. Delaire's looking at me like, no, that's not going to yeah, we're almost at eight thousand steps, so I'm already. I already almost got him in. We're almost there. We even barely, barely walked around today. Well, you know what? Tomorrow, another big day. I mean, you trying to tell? We got Melvin, Vote, Dave Roberts, Kotze. Dave Stewart, Kotze. 
Bob Nightingale. It's going to be a huge day. Thank you. Day one is over from the winter meetings in Nashville. We'll see everybody tomorrow. And not only will we see you, you'll be listening to athletics.com slash acecast. But thank you, everybody, for participating. Day one of the winter meetings in Nashville. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.